Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 22nd episode of the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm Nicolette Riche, your host. And today I am so excited to have Chris Brooke back on our show. You may remember, you may have listened to Chris's podcast that we did back in November. It was one of our first podcasts. And Chris and I, we really dove deep into how he had served in the British Royal Air Forces, how he's a man in his early 30s who was born in the UK and then moved to Canada and really dove into health and wellness. He opened up a gym with his business partner. He opened up several other businesses. He got healthy. And through all of that as well, he also uncovered the fact that he had PTSD and traumatic brain injury from multiple different events in his life, from being in the British Royal Air Forces, from sparring, from other events. And of course, we uncover what Chris did to deal with and treat and manage his PTSD. Now, since then, Chris has been contacted to do podcasts and to speak publicly about his experience with battling depression as a result of the PTSD and also with the multiple times that he faced suicide. And in this podcast today, I'm really fascinated. We're going to be interviewing Chris quite regularly because we want to follow his journey of learning about this particular condition uh, I, I hate calling it a condition or a diagnosis but of really understanding how the state of his mental health and of course learning what he's been doing to deal with it everything from Wim Hof and yoga and so much more Chris has a toolkit of over 20 resources and invaluable tools to help people through that and he's been speaking about that publicly which I think is just so very cool because it's really really important that we tell these stories so other people can learn from our experiences and you know try on one or two of the things that we may have done to heal ourselves or not at all but at least you have the choice to learn something new try it on for size if it doesn't fit you try something else until you get the result that you're looking for. So in this podcast today, I mean, it kicks off with Chris talking about killing a man and how that led to his fascination about life and curiosity and how it's so important to have that as we embark on this beautiful, outrageous, chaotic, crazy, almost like too good to be true journey called life. And Chris also talks about the need why we need to speak up and how we can shift from being depressed and on the verge of suicide by shape-shifting our idea, our definition and labels of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth. So we dive deep into that. Now, of course, we end the podcast with talking about plant medicine and cybacillium mushrooms and how that has helped Chris. But in between, we talk about everything from yoga to Wim Hof to being a force to grow, to snapping the patterns, and so much more that will hopefully help you or a loved one that you know that's battling mental health conditions as a result of injury in life, as a result of disease, a result of just being human. So join us in this podcast. Definitely go back and listen to the previous podcast that we did with Chris as well, because we pick up where that show left off. And let us know what you think about this podcast. As well, I want to remind everyone that 
Chris and I also met in a parking lot where he tackled me down to share his unbelievable story of teaching his brother how to reverse completely and heal his psoriasis that he had had for a lifetime. And of course, Chris's brother did all of this by switching to plant-based whole unrefined foods and making that lifestyle shift. So Chris tackled me down, shared that story, and then a few months later, Chris signed up for our nutrition and detox coaching program. So I just wanted to let you know that we will be offering that program again. It's our sixth session. So six times we've done it before and we're going to be taking registrations in the next few weeks for our next cohort. We'll start in September. So at the end of this show, I will let you know what the Nutrition and Detox program is all about. But because we have a two-hour show ahead of us, I'm going to cut this intro short. And please do let us know what you think about this podcast. Enjoy. Uh, here we are in our new podcast studio in the Green Mustache Headquarters office, and I have Chris Brooke back on the podcast here. Um, Chris and I are going to be doing a podcast every six months because I really want to follow the amazing work that you're doing, Chris. So welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. When were we on the show last? It was like... End of November time. End of November. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So almost five months has gone by. And when we chatted on the show the last time, it was really to open up your story to the world about being in the British Air- Armed Air Forces. Did I yeah. say that right? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I was in the British Royal Air Force. Um, yeah, so we were talking about how I was in the Air Force and how coming back on into being a civilian has, has been, a, been a bit of a struggle and uh, how I've... You know, at that point back in November, I was really getting my head around some some ways to deal with it. And yeah, now we'll be able to talk about how that's progressed. Yeah, because a lot of this happened in the last five months. But even when we chatted the last time, <clears throat> there was so much that um, you had already done. You know, we talked um, about the nutrition changes, which we yeah. probably didn't get into a ton. So it would be good to... Yeah, we should cover that. Yeah, let's chat about that. We talked about the fact you're Wim Hofing. Yeah, Wim yeah. Hofing. You still doing that? Still doing that. Okay. Did that this morning, actually. Oh, you did. Awesome. <laughs> Briefly. Did you jump in the lake, or were you I just didn't doing jump the breathing? In the lake, just the breathing this morning. Okay. Awesome. Um, we also talked about the fact that yoga was a part of your life. Huge part. Yeah. You still yeah. doing that? Um, I'm currently out of yoga mm-hmm. because of the instructions of my physio. Okay. However, I I will be back in, into yoga as soon as I can. Did you hurt yourself? Yes. What happened? <laughs> I've got two <laughs> slip discs in my lower back, and oh. they, you know, I keep messing them up through my impatience to, to train properly again. So yeah. I've had to go back to day one, week one on resetting my back and getting my muscles in sync. However, I'll be back on yoga as soon as she says, yes, go do some yoga. Right. And everyone needs to know that yoga is not just doing asanas. And I was going <laughs> to I didn't want to just say that. I still do yoga in the sense that it's part of my, my, my practice is still there. I'm just not stretching. <laughs> right. Okay, good. So strengthening your body to get it back into the place. And that's ultimately yoga is meant, you know, it really is about having a strong body so we can maintain our physical state when we are diving deep into the meditation and be able to hold the postures for meditation, actually. So um, it's important to know for people, like, if you are injured, don't think that just because you're not in the mat in a studio that you can't practice your yoga. And in fact, there's 
karmic yoga, which you could do. So how are you giving of yourself to others and being of service in the world, not simply just on a mat in crow pose for a good minute? It doesn't have to just be about the asanas. There's so many different types of yoga. And as well as the breath work in Kristen's podcast with Squamish Water Kafir, we did talk about how breath work is so important and pranayama is so important and that as well as yoga. So you can practice your yoga every day without having to bend over and touch your toes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so we also dove into um, mushrooms. Yes, we did. We didn't get to probably dive in as deep as we wanted to. We're going to oh. maybe touch <laughs> on that a bit. It's a deep place to go. <laughs> it's a deep place to go. Um, and we talked about uh, working with the team in Vancouver um, that I've actually sent a few of my clients to, the ones who did the brain scan um, to show mm. the traumatic brain injury. Yes. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you had a whole host of all these different things that you had to take and supplements that you had to take. Mm, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm still doing some of those. Yeah. But what I love about that last podcast is that it really shows your curiosity. Yeah. It really shows your drive and your will to survive and thrive mm. right because three different times you saw yourself at the end right where suicide was potentially the only answer for you at that point but in all three cases you did it, something different you took a left turn yes for some reason i didn't i didn't follow through and um and yeah it, it was more than three times actually it was, it was sometimes it was daily and but there was three particular times that really were like i'm gonna do this today um where i planned it and mm -hmm. um, yeah, for some reason, something just each time something would catch my attention and take me out of it, and or not necessarily take me out of it, but give me a glimmer of light of maybe I could try this, and let's see see what happens. And I wouldn't have been able to do that had it not been for curiosity. If I'd have been, if I had, um, if I'd have not been fascinated, I would never have got the answers that I got from doing these things. So yeah. Um, and that fascination piece, do you think that that's something that people can learn? Is that a skill set that you can learn? Or is it part of your innate being, like, that's who Chris Burke is? He's that, a curious that soul. That is a learned skill set. Um, I could tell you a really, a really deep story if you want about that. Well, yeah, don't tell deep stories on this <laughs> podcast, please. Okay. So <laughs> yes, I'm, do it. This, this, this story, um, it's a bit out there, so, if, you know, for listeners, um, it is about... about killing someone mm. um, and you know it's an experience I had in combat and how I've changed my perspective on that experience through fascination um, there was a gentleman that I killed in Afghanistan in 2009 um, it wasn't just me it was, it was you know it came it came upon a group of us in a firefight um, and I had to go to his body and strip it down as I was as I was stripping his body down the guy's still twitching um, it's pretty, 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 you know, out there sort of story. But in that moment, I had a real, like, deep, deep sense of aggression. Like, like it was kind of like a fuck you, I win, mm -hmm. don't fight me sort of attitude. Um, and, and this stayed with me. So I would be driving along some days and I think about this guy and I get this surge of adrenaline, this like, intense feeling of aggression. Um, and I realized after a while this wasn't serving me because I was thinking about this a lot. Every time I came into conflict in any, in any way, shape or form, this, this feeling would come back and it resulted in, in fits, you know, fits of blind rage in, in traffic, in bars, in, in everyday life. 
Um, so I had to deal with it. And, and the way I dealt with this, I didn't go out and try and deal with it in any way. It just came upon me that someone said, be fascinated by life. Ask questions, get new answers. Um, I learned this on a seminar back in the UK in 2014. It was a life-changing seminar. I think I spoke about it on the last podcast. But the guy said, be fascinated. Mm-hmm. Um, by being fascinated about this guy, I formed a whole new opinion of the situation, which dissolved the emotional feeling I had re- re- around it. So what I did was, I thought about this guy and I thought, well, what what happened in our lives that made us so different, have such different beliefs that we ended up on the, on the same battlefield facing off against each other? Mm-hmm. And when you r- unravel those those situations will unravel someone else's life even unravel your own you realize that when you get back to the point of coming into this world as a naked baby neither is new neither of neither ah, neither of us knew anything Mm. this guy was probably the same age of me as me but he was born in pakistan i was born in the uk had we been born in the same hospitals at the same time two naked babies brought up in the same culture with similar parents with similar beliefs it's highly likely that we'd have been best friends yeah. and that we'd have gone off in the, onto the same team. But we didn't. We were born into different cultures. I was taught Christian beliefs. He was taught Islamic beliefs. I was taught English ways. He was taught Pakistani ways. And ultimately, it led to this point where we were the kind of guys that we would go and fight for that. Um, most of the guys I grew up, uh, grew up with didn't do anything like this. And what I recognised was that I probably had more in common with this guy mm-hmm. than I did the guys I grew up with. So how could I possibly be angry about this as a person? Yes, I don't agree with what the doers for what they believe in, mm-hmm. just as they don't believe what I do for what I believe in. But by becoming fascinated, I managed to get back in to, to my story, change it, and change the emotion tied with that, which changed the physical response I felt from it, which for me was a huge, huge uh, point of progression. So that's why I encourage people now, whatever you think of a subject, where you know, I use coffee enemas a lot for people. I'm like, you know, you have your thoughts. I tell people I stick coffee in my ass every morning and people are like, what the fuck? It's like, well, reserve your judgment because all your judgment does is stick a barrier between you and what you know. It says, what I know is truth and I'm not prepared to to look any further. And all you do is stick a barrier up with that and and say, that's it. I'm I'm not prepared to learn anymore. By being fascinated, we get to learn a whole new set of things that we didn't have any clue about. So that's why I think that's really important. That's amazing. And I love that you share that story because you really show that, well, it's twofold. Number one, you can show that you can develop that skill of curiosity, right? You came across someone, you went to a seminar, they told you to be curious and fascinated by things, which is amazing. And you developed that skill so anybody can develop it. Um, And I mean, with a lot of the clients that I have, often they say to me, you know, well, how did you learn that? And, you know, how come my doctor doesn't know that? Or, you know, I'm never going to be able to know that information. You know, you have all the sciences, you have this. And I'm like, I never used to have that before. Mm -hmm. And I had to just get curious and question. You actually just reminded me about a dinner that I had last night. It was my daughter's 12th birthday. It was also Easter dinner, which I think it's funny we celebrate Easter because it's such a religious... commercialized so, so holiday type. yes I am <laughs> and it's and you know of course I question it so we didn't do any easter eggs because we you know we're not here to promote chocolate companies and I was about to mention one chocolate company and I'm like damn that would have been promotion for them but <laughs> glad I nipped that in the butt um but I had one friend there and you know she was meeting a lot of the people for the first time and it was so fascinating sitting on the couch next to her listening to her interact with these other friends of ours who she had never met but 
every time someone said something, she would just ask a question about it. Mm. And the most beautiful, elegant way. And I was so just curious by even how she was someone to just simply pose a question and not in an offensive way, not in a judgmental way. It truly was like, tell me more about that. How mm-hmm. did you discover that? For example, the coffee enemas, if I were to say to you, you know, I do coffee enemas, for sure you can put the wall up and be like, <laughs> you quack. You know, but the way she would approach it, she would say like, so why why do you do coffee enemas? Yeah. So Chris, why do you do coffee enemas? Why do I do coffee enemas? Yeah, since you brought it up, we yeah, got to touch it because there's going to be people here on this podcast right now who are like, what? I thought we we're talking about <laughs> using food as medicine. So we are still use, we're yes. using drink as medicine. Exactly. Um, so why do I do coffee enemas? Because I was fascinated. And when you first told me about coffee enemas, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I was fascinated and I read up on it and... You know, there's so much out there that says you shouldn't do coffee enemas. There's so many doctors um, that say you shouldn't do coffee enemas. However, upon reading case studies on how they've affected people, I was willing to go out and try it. It really isn't such a big deal. Um, so I tried it and had a bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. I think the first, first couple time. times I pretty much shat all over the bathroom. <laughs> 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 Mixture of coffee and juice everywhere but no it was um I, you know I got a really good it had a really good effect on me mm-hmm. um I felt you know I remember doing the first one and feeling like this clear sense of mind after doing it um and just like not like you've drunk a cup of coffee you know? no it's just this this clarity so you know I tried it as I do with things I like to try them for a little bit of time so I tried it a few days running and and I carried on doing it because not only did it give me this clarity, but it gave me a time period in the morning that was totally my own. Mm. No one's going to disturb your coffee anymore unless they're weird. Yeah, <laughs> like my kids. <laughs> yeah. Mom, mom, but can it, I come in? It also gives me this um, this time to read and, and plan. And, mm. and it's like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of absolute me time where I can learn and expand and grow and and get rid of toxicity in my body. Yeah. So the scientific reason why I do it, it clears toxicity out of my body, as I'm sure you've discussed on yeah. some podcasts previously. Um, for anyone who's listening, you know, some people may choose to disagree with this. However, I'm telling you that even just the coffee enema I did this morning, it got rid of a lot of toxicity, and you can, you you know, when you've got rid of that toxic toxicity. Oh, yeah. I tell people to do them all the time when they have a headache or if they feel a cold coming on or when they feel their head is just so thick, Mm. like that brain fog sets in. It's often a sign that our body needs nutrients. It needs oxygen. And it also needs to detoxify. And by doing the coffee enema, which targets the liver, doesn't destroy the microbiome. And I'm going to have to do a full podcast just on the coffee enema for people. But um, yeah, it's so important. So I love that you're curious about that. Um, For (laughs) me, it's a life-saving thing on so many levels. Like I know if I have a couple nights of not sleeping well, um, I'll do a coffee enema. And it's amazing. Like I'm good to go for like another month, Mm. you know. I mean, I do them way more often than that. But it really like helps me sleep better, takes away the chronic pain. If there is any, you know, as I'm in my 40s, it feels like everything you do results in chronic pain. Um, But after I go for a run, especially if I haven't run for a while and you have that lactic acid buildup, I'll do the coffee enema Mm -hmm. and my muscles are soft again. Like, it's amazing. So... Curious Chris, I'm going to call you. (laughs) So I love it because we really have to teach people and share with stories with people about how they can learn to be curious. So 
what's been going on in the last five months? I know that um, you have put out a few videos now on Instagram. Mm, I saw that your Instagram feed has changed and you're starting to share your story more. You gave a talk as well. I did. Yeah, let's talk about that talk that you gave. So I've done, that's the second talk of its kind that I've done. Um, And and the talk, it's called Speak Up. It's it's organised by a girl in the Whistler community called Natalie Karanseka. She's she's an amazing woman who is... um, Who's, who's encouraging people to speak out about their mental health struggles, courtesy of her own mental health struggle. Um, so I've shared the stage with her twice. Actually, I didn't share the stage with her this time. She she organised it again, and I, sh- I shared the stage with three other awesome people. Um, and the idea is be open, be real, and talk about what, what, you, what you've experienced and how you're dealing with it. And maybe someone else can find, find use in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so on top of that, you know, you, with regards to my Instagram feed, it's also I've, I've created a website um, I've named it brooksy.tv I couldn't get brooksy.com or brooksy.ca <laughs> so I got brooksy.tv perfect I'm going to be making videos so it works well um, brooksy was the name that the lads used to call me when I was in the forces still my, my mates call me brooksy quite often so um, yeah it works well um, and the idea with that is the same thing is, is what I've what I've done to create balance in my life from being where I was at I really believe it can be useful and as I as I help certain people or should I say as I share with certain people it seems that they're finding it really useful mm-hmm. um, and I want to get that out to more people I, you know there's the, the more I do this and, and I've briefly done it right now I've, I've done a very small amount but instantly had a response and I've had certain people get in touch with me and, and reach out to me and um, it validates the the struggle I went through mm-hmm. as being useful um, and those, you know, one thing I'll say to people on top of this, I'll, I'll get back to my website in a second, but that struggle you go through, if you only knew how valuable it can be, you would embrace it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. So, yeah, back to back to my website and, and my Instagram page. The idea is just to be, be of use to a wider population of people needing it. Yeah, I think that's amazing. We definitely need more people sharing their stories. And what I hate in the medical community and the scientific community is everybody looks at these stories as case studies and one-offs and of one. And the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, well, it hasn't been studied scientifically, therefore it's not of value. It's only one person's story. But what we have seen in this day and age and with the power of the internet and the power of podcasts and the power of people writing books is that these stories are so incredibly powerful and if it only changes one life mm. right wouldn't that be amazing and if it's only one way of doing something like dealing with a mental health issue mental health life you know it's never just one issue it's often something that permeates everybody's life everybody is susceptible to it at any given point in time you think that you're not and you think that you're strong one day and all you have to do is go through one you know, stressful month or one stressful day, and it could be the loss of a family member, could be, you know, something you experienced in a previous career. In your case, it was with the, you know, Royal Air Forces. Yeah, no? The Royal Air Force. The Royal Air Force. I'm going to get it right one day, I promise. Oh my God, I'm going to have to write it on my chalkboard. Um, But, you know, everybody can find themselves in that situation, and it's not anything to be ashamed about because everybody goes through it, through at one point of their life. And if we share these stories, and if you can help one person, then isn't that incredible purpose That's, and meaning? Yeah, you know, exactly. And, I, and and this the whole reason this has started is because it, someone said to me, you've helped me a lot. Hmm. And that makes me feel really good. Um, yeah. It's totally selfish. It's, it's me trying to make me feel good. Oh. But if yeah. I can help people in the process of doing that, then I'm going to do it. 
Yeah. And I just had another person who the other day we uh, did a session together and, you know, I often, so much of my time is given away for free chatting with people just about the things that they can do. And she was like, thank you so much. And I was like, no, you have no idea. Like <laughs> she's got a really rare, unique, you know, disease. No doctor in 25 years has been able to help her. And I'm like, mm. If we can get you to eat clean food and that can help you, do you know how incredible that is for me to know that, you know, I was able to, you know, share that information. So at the end of the day, everything we do is selfish. Like there's no Absolutely. selfless act, yeah. right? But at the same time, th- helping that woman gives me purpose and mm. there's meaning and value added to that. And same for you as well. Oh, so much. And, and you know, one thing I've recognized is that when I'm, when I'm inspiring someone, when someone says to me, you've inspired me, that in itself inspires me. Exactly. So, you know, I can go around all day sharing information I've learned with people who don't really want to hear it. That just kills the energy and that kills, you know, kills my motivation. It kills the inspiration within myself. As soon as I start sharing with people who go, I want to know more, tell me more, that inspires me. And, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh. It's it's incredible feeling when you're working with people and, and, they're, and they're learning from your experiences. You're like, wow, that, that experience was so worth it. And it opens up the opportunity for you to continue to be curious and keep learning. And at the end of the day, you know, they say, like, if we want to keep Alzheimer's at bay and dementia at bay, and if we want to live these long, vibrant lives, we have to keep learning. Mm. You know, it is part of our human innate nature to keep learning. And so it's this beautiful give and take relationship. You know, we're giving and we're taking at all periods of our life. And so let's just enter into this dance Mm. and let's start helping each other because, as much as the medical system is so invaluable for so many things, like we talk about this all the time, if you're in a car accident, yes, you want the orthopedic surgeon and the heart surgeon and everybody else like putting you back together. Mm. But what truly helps you heal are these stories from other people. It's the nutrients from our food. It's the supplements where we can't get it through our food. It's the clean air. It's the meditation. It's the yoga. It's the stuff that we do day in and day out when we step out of that emergency room. Mm -hmm. And that's what truly heals. We know that the pharmaceutical drugs for mental health have completely decimated our societies. We, you know, they haven't helped anybody. They might help you get out of that darkness momentarily, but they don't reverse the illness they don't reverse the disease they don't give you the tools to be able to go out there and live this vibrant life mm-hmm. you know they just kind of hold you down in that place so that you're not potentially getting worse quickly mm-hmm. but you're not getting out of it and finding out ways and what you've done is you have all of these incredible tools to help these people what i loved about what you shared about you know just putting those videos out and your talk that you did as well is that you know there's already been people who've come to you who've said you know i'm going to take my life and tell me about, I mean, you don't obviously have to go into names, but just tell me about what that's been like for them and you being able to help them. So that that's, you know, at first it's kind of, um, it's almost overwhelming. Because mm-hmm. you're like, who am I to tell someone how to, to deal with this? However, I've had nothing but gratitude for it from the individuals that, that this has happened, you know, the, the communication has gone between. Um, and, and that means a lot because I, under, I do understand or appreciate some level what what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I understand their story. I'm not saying I understand exactly what they're feeling. But at one point, I was really close to taking my life. And um, I think that it's really important when people are in that position to to, to be to be able to quickly change their perspective, or, or as a, as a, you know, going through what I've gone through, being able to help them change their perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that that really um, that really helped me was when I went to see Sadhguru, 
And you got to go see Sadhguru. I did. Ah, Sadhguru. Yes. And he said, you know, if you want to take your own life, mm-hmm. cover your nose with one hand and cover your mouth with the other and just stop breathing. And he said, just see if you can do it because you won't be able to. He said, every cell in your body is screaming to be alive. It's just your mind that's saying different. Mm. And that was a real, that was so useful. And don't get me wrong, I still got to a real low point beyond that. But it's stuck in the back of my mind. And yeah, that's, it's, and now when I'm, when I'm working, I say working with people, just, you know, communicating with people and, and trying to help them, it's taking that, that the current story and changing the angle at which they look at it. That's it, it's mm-hmm. really simple and, and helping them see a different perspective and see that there's a di- slightly different path they can take. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to stop here. So. And one of the things we were <clears throat> chatting about earlier just before we started recording is that um, you have now found this ability to be able to stop the pattern, right? Mm. When you, so tell us a bit about that and how you do that because you know, it is one of those things we can all get into our cycles, right? When you're feeling a certain way and then, you know, we perpetuate it with alcohol and, mm. you know, binge watching TV and escaping into whatever it is, whatever our drug of choice, it could be running excessively, it could be, you know, sex, it could be denial, it could be procrastination. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have something to take us away really? from from the reality of it, right? And mm. and often it's a pattern that we adopt. So that's 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 it, and it's patterns of behavior, and, and I think it's important to be able to recognize whether our patterns of behavior are fulfilling or unfulfilling or, or empowering or disempowering. And what I recognized was, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm going through each day, I started paying attention to what was going on. And the certain things I would do that would lead me to like not feel creative or not feel motivated or start feeling depressed mm. and as I started paying attention to those I, re- I recognized that I have good patterns and bad patterns and, and sometimes even the good patterns I start feeling feeling weird so I've de- I haven't said I developed this tool it's kind of I kind of learned it from Tony Robbins Tony Robbins teaches that you can change how you're feeling just through changing your physiology by jumping around yeah right? he does it every 20 minutes at his seminars for 15 hours solid um, oh, I've been screaming in my car. <laughs> I am a gladiator. And it, it totally changes my whole physical being. Yeah. You know, if you're driving along in your car, listen to this right now, turn the music down, scream as loud as you can. No one else can hear you. Yeah. And just see how you feel it. It changes something. And, and if you're in a bad place, if you can take that action, be courageous, do it well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be for long, but it will change something. So in myself, I, I, I watch my patterns. And I form, I've started to learn to form good patterns. So, mm-hmm. you know, my mo- I've recognized that my morning ritual is the key to my success in the day. However, the morning ritual starts the night before, so I have to yeah. get the pattern right before I go to bed to get the yeah. pattern right in the morning to then have a successful day. And as I do this more and more, it's, it's becoming more and more successful. However, there's certain times when I'm, for whatever reason, my mind might not be working so well. So I might get up on, into my normal pattern and not my mind's just not functioning right and it's sort of pinballing this is one of the effects I've felt of, of what, I've, what I've experienced um, and as it starts pinballing I go right as soon as I recognise it 
I've learned to take hold, snap that pattern and jump into a new one instantly. There's no, there's no time to wait on this. Mm -hmm. So so an example of what I will do is as you know, one one of the things I experienced recently I started going manic. I woke up super excited about something before I went to bed. I woke up in a manic state, 120 beats a minute heart rate, and and I'm like jumping out of bed and I'm and I'm going nuts. Well I I know that if I go manic, mm -hmm. there's gonna be issues. So I jumped out of bed and I recognised shit, my heart rate's going at 120 beats a minute here jumped back into bed, laid down and started meditating. And I meditated in a, in a way that I, I control each side of my breath. So in, I start with four seconds, brief pause, out with four seconds, and I build it up, five seconds, five seconds, six seconds, six seconds, mm -hmm. until I get to 11 or 12 seconds. Um, and I'll do that for, for maybe 20 minutes in that, in that situation, because it's really enough. It's really important not only to to be able to lift ourselves up, but if we get too high, we bring ourselves down. Mm -hmm. And and then I jumped in a hot bath rather than most mornings I get in a cold shower. Right. But this morning I jumped in a hot bath and I laid there for forty five minutes and just breathed and jumped out of the bath and lo and behold back into my balance balance area where mm -hmm. I'm where I'm feeling good and I can get on with my day and make it successful. Now something just before we go into the next bit, really important part of this is are talking about how we can change perspective if someone's at the point where they're taking their own lives change that perspective but you don't have to be at the point of changing your, taking your life the thing that I did the thing that one that thing that I recognized was that when I got told I had PTSD at first I was like sweet I can sort this out yeah. <laughs> but then it seemed to get worse mm. and what I recognize is that when we say I've got post-traumatic stress you get stressed. Yeah. So I've reframed that. And and as and, I, and it took a while to do this because as I, what I realized is I kept pushing against it and saying, I'm not going to accept I've got PTSD. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. And, and don't get me wrong, I have accepted it, but I'm, I want I want to figure out tools that I can manage this with. If I'm going to have yeah. it, I'm going to deal with it. But I recognized that was forcing me to grow. And I was learning all this new stuff. So rather than calling it PTSD, post-traumatic stress, turn it into PTG it's post-traumatic post growth right so now when I start having a pinball moment in my mind and it starts you know I don't, I don't feel too good it's like right you've got post-traumatic growth how do you grow from this mm. I'd, I'll journal it I'll, I'll wake up I feel crap right journal why do I feel crap what have I done before this let's work this out and then I'll try something did that work do the Wim Hof breathing jump in a cold shower or jump in a hot bath whatever I need to do to change my physiology yeah and then learn how to grow from that. And then how can that be useful for others? Well, I I mean, I absolutely love what you're saying. There was so two really amazing visuals that came up. I love the how you said you have to snap the pattern, right? Mm. And it just so visually, it's almost like I could see you taking this crowbar <laughs> and you literally, you don't just like bend it. It's like you snap it. Mm. And it comes with that rigor behind you and that like desire. Like you said, <clears throat> we have a desire to live. You know, and so now you have that and you have all these tools and so you grab that crowbar and you snap it in half and um, I bet you there's like some physicist who you're being like, you can't snap a crowbar, it can only bend, <laughs> anyway. We'll call it bamboo. Yeah, bamboo, <laughs> you snap the bamboo. And um, and I love that visual and it really brings me back to, um, oh my gosh, Mel Robbins and her five second mm -hmm. rule, right? Like the minute you have a thought, you have five seconds to act on it. And knowing that, it's like, no, you cannot wait. It's like me in the morning, like if I'm gonna, you know, say I'm gonna wake up early and all of a sudden, like morning time hits, my alarm clock goes off, if I don't jump out of bed right now, literally grab that bamboo and snap it and be like, yes, I'm up, I will, my brain will be like, you're going back to bed. 
yeah. right? Like it'll talk yourself out of it. So it's so important for you to like literally have that like that that intensity around wanting to break that pattern. Otherwise, it's really really difficult to break those patterns. It's, it's really um it's really important that these these negative places we get ourselves into, especially if if you know, and, and veterans will resonate this with this. I, I hope, um, but but for everyone. Be hard, fast, and aggressive in attacking that exactly. that negativity. So when you recognise it's negative, you you beat the sh- you punch that fucker in the face, and you say <laughs> fuck you, and you get it out. And 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 whether that is, and I don't mean go, you, you could go punch the bag, right? But you could you could jump up and down on a Tony Robbins style trampoline, that, which I have in my garden. Yeah. It could be a coffee animal, whatever it is, something that changes the pattern that has brought you to this bad point. Yeah. And, and get out and do something new. Yeah, and everybody, every single person, if you've never meditated, if you've never done yoga, if you've never done Wim Hof, if you've, you know, all of those things are really far out there and, or even switching your diet. Um, the number one thing you need to know though is that you need to switch the pattern. So whatever you've been doing, right, up until this point that's been getting you results that you don't want, mm-hmm. you need to absolutely find something. Most and it could be, and it could be <clears throat> a punching bag. It mm. could be screaming at the top of your lungs in your car. It could be anything, but you need to to like flip that switch and in the opposite direction because it's the only way you're going to get through this. So, I mean, you are like one of the things that I think would be amazing for your website and just to be able to give people is like, you know, the top 20 things you do. Like you probably have 20 tools in your... That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, you are? Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I've got about 20 tools written on my board <laughs> that I'm going to make little videos about ranging from yeah. um, yoga and breathing to... You know, daily dose of magic mushrooms, spiritual dose of magic mushrooms, mm-hmm. coffee enemas, healthy eating. Yeah. There's, there's a whole range of different things we can be doing. And the thing that I loved about what you said as well is um, the fact that when you said, you know, I dove into the warm bath, it could have like normally it would have been a cold bath. But that's the thing. It doesn't have to be the same thing every day, mm-hmm. but it's looking into your toolkit and deciding what is the right tool for right now in this moment. You know, and I don't want to use that analogy because we're thinking we're trying to fix it, but we're trying to grow from it. So what is that tool that's going to help me grow in that moment? And the third thing that I really love too, I think I only had two, but now I have three. I love everything. <laughs> Um, is the fact that you said um, the post-traumatic growth and that reframing. And so many of us are so susceptible to labels, right? So the minute we get labeled with something, then that defines us. And we were chatting earlier before we started recording too about allowing things to define us and who we are. And, um, And it doesn't have to define us. You can reframe anything that anyone gives you. So if a doctor gives you a diagnosis for cancer, if a doctor gives you a diagnosis for migraines, if a doctor gives you a diagnosis, so many of us, and I see this all the time with my clients, they're like, well, this is just the way I am. And I'm like, really? This person who you see maybe once or twice a year, you're going to allow what they say. Yes, it's a diag. I get it, right? It's a label. But does it have to define you, right? We're so eager as a, as a culture to hand over our identity to other people and what they say it is. Yeah. Um, and no, it's, it, you define what it means. Don't let someone else's ideas and beliefs create your definition, your story. You, you create the story. So I could quite easily sit here and go, you know, these have been the worst four years of my life. They were, it was awful. It was I was suicidal. It was it was the darkest days I've ever experienced. 
or I can turn around and go, you know what, the best four years of my life. Yes, they were hard, but it was my training to be a civilian again. It was mm-hmm. my training to be able to, to work with people and, and say, look, you, you can sol- solve this problem just like I have. So how we, how we create the story is up to us. And we have a responsibility to create the best story about everything that we experience. Yeah. I, I love that. And you just made me think that the other people who need to recreate the story and we need to cre- create that story and help them do it as well is physicians because mm. we have had, you know, a hundred plus years of, you know, thinking that physicians are on this pedestal and that they know everything. And at the end of the day, they're humans that know a little bit truly in the world of everything we can know about the body right? Like everything we've talked about now, there's the neuroscientists studying, you know, meditation and yoga and the benefits of breathing and the benefits mm-hmm. of all of, you know, you know, mindfulness and being of service to others. I mean, we're diving into that, you know, right now in the neuroscience world. And, but if you're not a neuroscientist, you don't know that, right? No. But you're still a doctor, mm. right? You might still be a GP. And so we need to reframe, um, you know, what that means for everything around us like every conversation that we have with someone you know is an opportunity to reframe it's also an opportunity to grab that bamboo stick and snap it and to be like i am not going to let that person tell me you know what my body needs i am going to decide what i need Mm -hmm. and it might be medication like Mm -hmm. that is okay Mm -hmm. right but we can't resign to just one thing without looking at all the different things that are available to us and to be curious all about that so I can imagine, too, that people who are listening to this might think, well, Chris, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad as, <laughs> you know, what I was going through. Like, and you alluded to this in, in that last talk that you just did, right? When you got up on stage after this other woman, a friend of yours who had mm-hmm. known for a long time, um, told a very revealing story about her life and sexual abuse and, you know, mental health. And, you know, and then afterwards you feeling like, well, my story's not really as... <laughs> Like what? Okay, so, so let's dive into that because I think that that's an interesting thing. A lot of us who are going through things, well, we say, well, my cancer is not as bad as their cancer. It's mm. only stage one. It's not stage four. My mental health issue is not as bad as theirs because I'm just a little bit depressed, but I'm not, you know, suicidal. But in your case, you were, right? Yeah, like so, your story is so profound. So, I, so know, I'm shocked to hear that I'm you felt sure that way. I'm sure everyone listening to this, their story would have been considerably worse. But my story... It resulted in me ne- nearly taking my life. And regardless of whether you were in combat through your own choices <laughs> or you saw your granny's cat get run over in the street as a five-year-old, if that has brought you to the point of suicide, that is a problem that needs addressing. So, yeah, I sat there in this talk the other night and heard the most incredible but, you know, dark story from from someone who's one of my best friends in life that I didn't have any idea the depths of um and for a brief moment I was like holy shit I'm about to get up and speak and my story is just irrelevant you know I didn't experience anything like this but that's not the point the point is that people don't need to go and experience these real dark things that you know maybe make could make into a movie some drama it, it's relevant to you and, and you know we touch on that story of the, of the billionaire who was the richest man in Germany and tied his whole sense of identity, identity to being the richest man in Germany and then shorted VW, lost a big chunk of his fortune, only had 6 billion euros left but because he wasn't the richest man in Germany anymore, hung himself and, 
and if that's the case, and and people will sit there and go, well, that guy's an idiot, and they'll have their mm-hmm. they'll have their judgments of it. But remember, judgment stops you from learning what what you could potentially learn. The reality of it is that there was no need for that gentleman to take his life, and that could have been addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's that big of a problem that he's going to take his life, then it really needs to be addressed. Yeah, and that's for everybody. And I hear a lot of people who are, you know, successful entrepreneurs and they have their businesses and they have a healthy family and, you know, and they say, well, I I should be so grateful. Like, I should be happy in this situation. We just had a wonderful woman, uh, Bonnie Coberly, on our podcast. Her show is going to be coming out. And that was one of the things she said, too. Like, I don't get it. Like, I have all these things in my life. Why do I feel so down and blue and dark? Mm. And we have to stop judging ourselves and we have to stop judging ourselves and ranking ourselves in comparison to the next person because it does stop us from addressing the true issue is that each and every one of us at any point of our life can feel down and if we don't address it now then we develop these unhealthy patterns around just suppressing it and denying it not dealing with it or thinking we can you know suppress it with alcohol or whatever it is and never getting to it and at the end of the day like our brains just want nutrients they just want oxygen we want to be um validated by you know our basic human needs you know Mm -hmm. and if we're not going to be open about this and really address mental health as something that can affect everybody then we don't ever get curious and find out what we need and then we lack those tools and that's when it can get really dark and ugly and you end up taking your life because you've just let it go for so long Mm -hmm. so and it's funny you touch on the on the on the human needs. It's it's um, people will meet their needs in whichever way they find they can, right? And 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 that could be smoking or drinking or or loving. You know, you could you can have really empowering ways to meet your needs. You can also have really disempowering ways to meet your needs. Regardless, you will meet your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, through my own experiences, as I look, as I unravel back through my life and, and, and analyze my story and what I was trying to do at certain times, I've recognized that I was meeting my needs in all the wrong ways. Um, and part of the growth of this whole, this whole last four years has been my ability to recognize where I can meet my needs in ways that truly resonate with me. Mm-hmm. And there's something you touched on a second ago about how people feel um, and depressed and they're going through life they have everything but they're going through life and feeling depressed you know I think that boils down to we all have an idea in our subconscious of what our life should look like mm-hmm. but when our reality doesn't meet that idea then we feel depressed regardless of what material assets we've got or, or what our life looks like on, on the surface if it's not meeting our, our, our deeper self then then we have issues and I see so many people going through life, meeting their needs in ways that have just been given to them or, or that, that society s- says you should meet your needs in these ways or, or through patterns of behaviour that have just that they've adopted that meet their needs in ways. But what, what I also see is that those needs are only being met in, in very small little chunks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an example is, is, is smoking. People meet their needs of, you know, they have certainty when they smoke. They're certain they can they can, ha- you know, smoke that cigarette. They they have um, connection to the, to the cigarette. They often make connections with other smokers. They have variety in that they don't know who these other connections might be. They um, they have significance, especially when mm-hmm. when it's a teenager who starts smoking. 
Um, and then that becomes, these become the patterns and, and it still, as you go through it, you keep meeting that need, but it never truly resonates with who you are inside. So if you mm. can step back and go, what am I trying to meet with this need of smoking? Or, or like myself, my, my need for significance and importance wasn't actually, it wasn't significance and importance that I needed, it was love and connection. And this was from um, quite a young age. I had a really good sense of love and connection for the most part, but my relationship with my father um, amazing guy, very loving, but showed it in ways that his dad taught him to show it, mm-hmm. um, which resulted in, we don't ever say I love you, or very rarely. It was never a case of, you know what, son, I'm proud of you. It was always, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing I ever did was good enough. And so when I, I remember finding, you know, a specific point in my, in my teenage years when I recognised that I could get significance and feel important. And it was essentially... Um, com- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was it was essentially my dad saying he's proud of it, but not him saying it. So I was getting that importance from somewhere else, and and it was it was one night when I was drinking. I was mm-hmm. sat in the in the brasserie bar of a, of an old hotel I worked at when I was a teenager, and I was with a load of older guys, and we were drinking, and I got pretty drunk, and I started acting the fool, just just being being a dick. And one of the older girls said, "You know what? If I was a little bit younger, I'd get with you," mm-hmm. and that just boom, I was like, wow, I've found the key. I just need to drink and act like a dick and people are going to like me and I'm going to feel important. And then and then I started dating different different women and I found that every time I hooked up with a woman, I'd feel important. And then I joined the military and I found, you know, putting a uniform on and then coming home from on a weekend or, or going away on operations made me feel really important. And then I found, later on, I found fighting. And, you know, you beat someone up and you quickly feel important. Mm-hmm. So I... I found myself getting in fights every week, and now that you know that that definitely relates to a sense of confidence I, I achieved from being in combat in Afghanistan and Iraq. But but this fighting thing started being becoming a problem, and and this and it, and and then when that when these things aren't enough, you just keep finding new ways to meet mm. your needs that that can be even more disempowering. So the the next thing was I would cheat on my girlfriend. I would cheat relentlessly. I was I was a, I was a horrible human being at that point in that sense, but. At some point in my relationship, I didn't feel important. So I would go out, and I knew how I could get a feeling of importance. I'd go out and hook up with another woman. Um, and every time I kissed another woman, I feel important. I get validation for who I am. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it culminated in this in this thing with my, uh, uh, my sister's wedding um, a couple of years ago, where for whatever reason in my life, I, wasn't, I still wasn't feeling important or significant enough. And I went to that wedding and ended up throwing my friend's wife in the pool tried to hook up with my sister's, uh, my cousin's friend um, in front of my girlfriend and all my family, totally embarrassing her, embarrassing myself, embarrassing my family. Um, and yeah, definitely not feeling significant or important in the way that I wanted to, but maybe there was a sense of significance from it the next day mm-hmm. too. Um, and what I realise now is if I'm chasing it down the wrong way, then life's not going to, it's not going to produce the life I want. Mm-hmm. So I've had to step back, analyse what I'm doing and, and recognise that if I want love and connection I've got to become the real me mm-hmm. that resonates with people because they want the real they want to hang around with the real Chris and, and one thing I've recognised in that is that when I'm real, I get to hang around with real people when I'm full of shit it seems that I hang around with people, Not no disrespect to anyone but they're often full of shit yeah. and that doesn't fulfil me at all um, and it would often, you know, most of my relationships were based around alcohol so I'd go and drink a few pints, then I've got the confidence to go in there and, and, and talk to everyone. 
and, and make these friends and think, well, I should, you should have been friends with this person for life. But as soon as the alcohol dies down, you're not really that, that, that close. Now I don't drink alcohol, I barely drink anything. Um, I might have one pint if I can get through it. Um, but the people I hang around with are people that I really resonate with. And through that love and connection, the byproduct is that significance and importance. So going back, I think it's really important that people strip down, become who they really, who they, who they really are inside. What what mm-hmm. what their heart says they should be, not what their minds tell them to be, based on what other people's expectations and ideas are. And then they can form, their, they can meet their needs on a level that truly resonates with them, rather than just meeting them in silly little ways that are disempowering, unhealthy, and antisocial. In my case, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we've all been through that, right? Where, you know, you get in, again, it's all patterning, right? Like you Mm. have a basic human need that needs to be met. It could be, it doesn't matter what it is. And we all have these basic human needs and they all need to be met. Significance is a very important human need. Absolutely. We need to feel significant. But the difference here is, are you going after it in a healthy way or a very unhealthy way? And for a lot of us, like even starting like being a mom, you know, with three kids, I can easily see where I'm facilitating unhealthy patterns mm-hmm. in my children. And, you know, and it's up to me to recognize that and nip it in the butt and also communicate that with my kids. Like, hey, I recognize when, you know, you need attention, you'll come after me in this way. And it's not a healthy way, right? And and I'll see my kids doing it. Like one of my daughters, she'll just start like in the middle of a party doing gymnastics at the end of the day, she just needs attention. So she gets it that way by, at, you know, almost kicking people in the face, <laughs> you know, and we laugh though, right? Like it's, yeah. a, you know, because which they're cute and they're little and all of those. But at the end of the day, though, is that if we allow that continue to continue, she could easily end up doing the same thing with mm. alcohol and at parties. And, you know, we see it happening and, you know, all of these crazy reality TV shows, the way that a lot of these girls are behaving. But it's so easy to see where that patterning starts when they're so young. And it's not to blame parents, but it's to say that we can stop that pattern. We can stop the way that we interact with our kids. We can stop the way that we interact with our colleagues at work as well if we're facilitating those unhealthy patterns as well. But it does require us to to stop. I mean, even when you were talking about all of that, I just, I quickly did this mental check through <laughs> like my whole entire, like, why do I have this podcast? Is it, you know, I- am I doing it because it fulfills that need of significance? And of course it does when someone's like, hey, I listened to this podcast and mm. it was so great and thank you, it helped me. Yes, it makes me feel significant. And then, oh, right. Is that a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing? You know, if I was dropping everything and like this podcast ended up like running my life, which a lot of times we can allow healthy things to rule our life as well and we have to know that fine line between when something goes from being unhealthy mm-hmm. to healthy or when something goes from being you know unhealthy to healthy and vice versa right it's a dance in life I always say it's a dance and we're trying to figure it out so when did you become so smart and learn all of this is what I want to know because again <laughs> I know honestly though because here you are, you're this real guy, you you know, live life, you find out you have PTSD. And I know for a lot of people, they're going to listen to this and be like, well, Chris is so far ahead, right? Like they're going to be judging themselves. And well, he has all these tools and, you know, he's, you know, you know, understands this patterning in his life. And it's not easy for us to understand this on our own. So did you discover this on your own? Was it through books? Was it through working mm-hmm. with a coach? Like what, what are, how are all the ways that you've become? It's, it's, it's one thing led to another and... Uh, <laughs> 
those patterns of behaviour that, that involved me going out and, and hooking up with women to feel important resulted in me reading a, uh, the book The Game by Neil Strauss, which, if you've never heard of that, is a book about how to pick up women. And <laughs> <laughs> So you read this, this afterwards? Was, this was in 2010, mm-hmm. um, and I was, I was um, still in the military, and one of the lads said, read this book. So I read it, and as I, as I read the first third of the book, I was like, wow, this is, this is really useful information. I'm going to go try it. So I went down into, into Dundee, where I was based in Scotland at the time, and by myself went into a, just to see if I could interact with, with, a, with a hot-looking woman and, and see what the, re- the response was. Well, I got such a positive response that I, I literally shit my pants and ran out the, the shoe store where she was because I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this really works. But, but I quickly clicked on that. I, I didn't really, it wasn't, yeah, it was really good to be able to go pick up women and, and that was fun. But I could use this to, to enhance my communication skills with mm. other people. And in that process, I learned that there's ways and means to grow. So I started reading up at that point. I started reading up on how to increase confidence um, through through NLP, which is another thing we should talk about. Um, I started, I, I learned how that, I basically learned that you can grow. All right. Mm. So my, my whole context of growing was you go on a military course. At that point in my life, was you go on a military course, you get a new qualification, so one day you can be promoted again. All right. But I learned that there was all these other areas for growth. Um, and lo and behold, about five months later, I was on I was on a ship. I'd just flown to South Africa from home. I got on a ship, and the only thing I, and I was at the time I was uh, protecting vessels against Somalian pirates. Um, I jumped on the ship in South Africa to sail it to North Africa. It was a three-week transit. I had no, um, so I'll go back. I had, we had nothing to do other than watch movies, train, and, and hang out. All right. So I got on the ship and realised I'd left my charger for my laptop in the UK. Yeah. And I was like, shit. But for Christmas, my mum had bought me a Kindle electronic book, and my sister, thank. The Lord, if there is one, <laughs> had put on ten books for me. My sister was doing network marketing at the time, and they'd given her all these personal development books. Yeah. So she sticks them on this on this Kindle, and they, they were real classic books. There was there was Rich Dad Poor Dad. There was How to Influence and Influence People, mm-hmm. um, Think and Grow Rich, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm-hmm. Anyone Can Do It by Duncan Bantine. There was all these there was these ten awesome books. So with no movies to watch and three weeks at sea, I started reading. And I'd never really read that many books up to that point. I'd read the game because it was, you know, it was really relevant to my life. Yeah, <laughs> five did you had to pick up women, yeah. Yeah, but, but other than that, I'd not really read many books. And then when I started reading, and I started learning all this information that I, I remember I was just mind blown. In that three-week transit, it was like my life just shifted in the sense of what what I could achieve. Mm-hmm. Little did I know what I was going to start experiencing, what 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 the tests would be to be able to start moving on that path properly. But, but yeah, it got me onto this um, point of growth. Mm. Um, and sorry, I'm getting lost in my story here. Where were we going? I don't know, but we were talking about NLP. So, yeah, we, we were... <laughs> no, but just how did you how did you get to this point? Because I know... Yeah, so yeah. I got, got, onto this, got onto this growth. Mm-hmm. And then through, through doing that, I, I then got... I mentioned that seminar um, earlier, earlier on. I got invited to this seminar with my with one of my ex-girlfriends. She's an amazing woman. And she said, look, you come into this seminar um, and we'll see what we can get out of it. And I was like, all right, kind of dragged me along. And it blew my mind. It was it was incredible. It was a guy called Dr. Rohan Weera Singh. He was in the UK and he touched on on the nutrition. It was where, where my, my mm-hmm. mind changed about what we eat 
and how powerful it is. Um, it was touched on relationships. I actually broke up with her on stage at that seminar, which was I remember. A, yeah, a you pretty told. in-depth experience. Um, it touched on finances. It touched on a whole a whole range of different things, and it, and it blew my mind. Um, and it really, it was it, the seminar was called Turning Point, and it really was a turning point. And from that point on, I committed to to growing in sense of, of of educating myself. So whether it was his seminar or Tony Robbins seminar or seminars here in Vancouver or or reading books or listening to podcasts or mm-hmm. listening to books, I just constantly trickle fed information to the point where you know seven uh, nine years later nine now nine years yeah, yeah Jesus goes by fast nine years later. Um, <laughs> It's it's taken on this this it's got to this point where it seems that sometimes when I'm, when I'm talking about it, this information all kind of just comes together and starts coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really important for underst- for people to understand that all it takes is one moment, one book, mm. one workshop, and I have so many you know people that write to us on Instagram and Facebook and they say things like, "Well, I can't afford that," and I'm like, you, you know what? YouTube exactly <laughs> like YouTube. seriously there is no excuse for not learning Ugh. something like if you have if you're diagnosed with an illness if you're facing something like you need to get on there and get onto YouTube get onto Google get onto Google Scholar go buy a book go to the mm. library there's free books like there's, literally there's no shortage of resources out there and you just have to dive into the first thing that you're attracted to and start reading about it start listening to it there's audiobooks you don't mm. even need to read like really there's no excuse right you know, I remember one of the books I read it's an incredible book it's called The Slight Edge and it's by Jeff Olson and have you, have you read that mm-hmm. so this book he talks about how it's the um, it's, it's it's compounding it's like compounding money so if you go and eat a cheeseburger at McDonald's today it's not really going to change your life alright it's not going to make you unhealthy it's going to be one off your body will clear it out if you go and eat a salad today it's not going to change your life either. All right, you you might feel kind of cool, but but it's not really going to do much. Go and eat a cheeseburger at McDonald's every day for the next seven days, and it's going to start having a, having an effect. Mm-hmm. Go to the Green Mustache and eat, you know, um, give me give me a, a bootable a, a bootable <laughs> from from the Green Mustache every day for the next seven days, and you're going to start feeling the positives of it. Right. It's take that that uh, that scenario and push it out a year, and all of a sudden you've got drastic differences push that out five years and it's an incredible difference push it out 20 years and it's the difference between being a healthy human being and someone who can be terminally ill yeah and that's the difference and and that's that applies to everything every single thing you do is either a a positive or a negative in the long run and if you continue to do the negatives they will compound into really negative lifestyles and if you continue to do the positives they will also compound to the point where it almost feels like in the last year and a half I've taken like a quantum leap on this all this information that I was kind of putting in my mind it was there but I wasn't really using it in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. it suddenly just started amalgamating like coming to fruition and and now I'm using it and as Mm -hmm. I talk to people people how do you know this stuff well it's like yeah well I just kind of trickle fed it kept yeah. doing that it's either a yes to positive or a yes to negative I kept doing a yes to positive yeah to the point where now <laughs> you know last month people say I can't afford that yeah I go to Tony Robbins seminars and it's ten thousand dollars a ticket and 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 I really believe in investing in myself in that way however you know one of the things that happened last month I, I got in trouble off my business partner because we have we have a we have a business account for our phones and uh, we have I think we have 15 gigs between as well 
I use 12.7 gigs. Because <laughs> <laughs> everywhere I drive, and I drive a yeah. lot, I have a Tony Robbins or a Kerwin Ray or a Jay Shetty yeah. or an Aubrey Marcus or a Joe Rogan or something that's going to give me some, some something that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. something that's going to inspire me something that's going to grow me and, and I'm, I refuse to listen to music I only yeah. listen to music if I get really stressed about something which right now yeah. is, is rare yeah and it's so true by the way you can download po- podcast to your phone <laughs> when you're well, home on Wi-Fi yes, I, just I was to- definitely using YouTube a lot last month I was, I, was, I, was, I was on a massive Tony Robbins binge last month Tony yes. Robbins and Jay Shetty oh yeah no yeah. I've been on the Tony Robbins binge for sure since I came back from Business Mastery which was incredible in all levels <laughs> And, you know, it's interesting because we, when you came in, you're like, hey, have you read As a Man Thinketh? And, you know, and we talked about that. I'm like, you're the first person that has asked me if I've read that book in 20 years. And I think it's like the most important book. It's such a short read. You know, you can read it in one day. um, And it's one of the most powerful books ever. And I think if everybody right now just went out and got a copy of that and read it today, it will change the trajectory of your life. So you don't even have to start with a big, fat thick neuroscience book on like how the brain changes or you know how to overcome depression or on nutrition or on anything you literally start with that book and at the end of the day it changes your thinking and of course how you think will define your actions that you take from that and I love um, it's called The Slight Edge the book so The Slight Edge is is, is the book I was just talking about yeah Yeah, that compounding effect and it's funny because I have a quote on my board and I'll just read it it says what do you need to do what do you need to do today so that in three years you can say that this current crisis was the best thing that could have ever happened to you or to your company. And (laughs) it's, I mean, it's so brilliant. And it really, that comes from Positive Intelligence, a a wonderful book that um, my coach recommended to me. And I mean, again, it's like a free resource that you can go online and do the Mm -hmm. um, PQ test, the Positive Quotient Intelligence test. And, you know, you can find out who your saboteurs are. You can find out, you know, what basic needs do you have that aren't being met and Mm -hmm. how, you know, you're sabotaging yourself on a daily basis. And it's so important and it's a free resource. It's like find that out now so you can start um, getting the tools that you need to really turn your life around right now. So tell me about NLP. NLP. Since we met the last time, you've started yeah. studying NLP. So, <laughs> well, obviously going to Tony Robbins, you recognize that, you know, for anyone who hasn't been to Tony Robbins, he uh, he uses NLP, it's Neuro Linguistic Progr- uh, Programming. Um, and as, People have contacted me and said, you know, can you give can you give us a hand here? I'm kind of struggling in life. Um, I've used a couple of things that he's done in his seminars that, that I found really useful to help people create new perspectives. Really simple mm-hmm. stuff, but I found them incredibly powerful. I didn't realize how effective they could be really quickly. So in, fast. In a non-perfect situation as well. It was, it's incredible. So I decided I would do an NLP course. I was going to do an online course just to just to get some further knowledge on this. Um, I looked up this course, I found a course online. For those, you know, I really, really liked this course. I found this course online, I thought it was going to be a networking course. It was 200 US dollars, super cheap, four days. I thought I'd probably go there, probably end up going in at 10 o'clock in the morning, come out at three o'clock in the afternoon, and you'll probably just network and learn how to spell NLP. Um, <laughs> Turns out I was, in, I was totally wrong. I go there, it's 11 hours a day, solid, incredible course, caught, uh, taught by a guy called Dr. Matt James. Um, it, you know, you can find this at nlp.com um, and, it, and it blew my mind. And this was the NL, NLP practitioner's course and, and I'm still working on it right now. And 
and yeah, it, it helped me, and this is really recent, this isn't something that I've, I've mm. integrated into my life for the last few years, this is literally in the last month. Um, it helped me recognize where I've been doing things really, really well actually. Um, but it's also helped me to, to be able to see how everything I experienced previous to this point is impacting me right now. Mm-hmm. And how, but, but also to recognize that, that you can change that, that you can literally go into your mind, sit down, be calm, go into your mind, get right back into that moment and change it and change how you see it. So if you see, if you go into a moment and, and you know one of the things I recognize is that all my vivid memories of war were seen through my eyes in high definition, really colorful, very loud sounds, um, it was it was all just very real, very very right right in front of me. Okay, well, things you can do is go back into that memory, and I'm not saying you know you can try this at home if you want, but it, I'm not giving you an actual scenario on how to do it. But essentially, go back into that memory and you re rewire it, and you say you're right. I'm not going to see it from my from my eyes anymore. And there's ways and means that you can do this, and that you can see it in the third person, turn it to black and white, make it grainy, lower mm-hmm. the sounds, change people's voices, all these different things, and. And then you pull the memories that you do want to keep at the forefront of your mind and you make them even bigger. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but visioning how you want to do, say, for instance, your next day. You go into bed, write a list down what you want to do the next day, sit and for, for a minute just vision how that's going to look. And rather than it being somewhere in the distance in black and white, pull it in like those bad memories mm-hmm. that you've put into black and white and to change this into colour and make it vivid. And it was just, you know, th- there's, there's all these different ways you can use it, but this is this is for me it's been a, an eye-opener um, and, and I'm incredibly excited to be able to to use it on myself and to be able to encourage people to to stop and think about what it is that's affecting their life and what's holding them back and and how can we change that so that they can you know have a have a more positive not not just outlook but have a more positive experience um, you know an example when you, when you know some of the things we were learning was were incredible, but as a self self analysation, I recognise where hesitation comes from for me. You know, procrastination. I recognise that it comes from certain words that were said to me as a kid. Well, let's go in and change those words. Not that we change the words, but we change how we hear them and, and the mm-hmm. and the pitch of them, and and then we close them off and and then put new words in there or put the words in that were positive that we've that we've experienced in life and put them to the forefront of our subconscious mind and just basically you're taking pictures and reorganizing them yeah and I love in the order that you want them um, so I'm, yeah I'm right at the beginning of learning this um, as you can probably tell I'm kind of obsessed with it yeah um, and I'm definitely going to take it further <laughs> that's awesome and you know these tools they're so accessible to everybody and it's the kind of stuff that should be taught in schools because I studied Psych K and became a Psych K facilitator which is all about the psychology and the kinesthetics mm. um, of our body and the mingling of the two and, it, and it's really all the same thing it's about being able to actively go into your brain and just repattern it yeah. and rewire it. And you can start doing it now. It literally in 10, 15 minutes, you can take a scenario that you've had where maybe you've seen yourself as a victim of rape, for mm-hmm. example, or, and I've been raped before and it was something that I actually never ever said to anybody that I was because I had actually reframed it from that moment Whoa. as though I never wanted to be the victim. And so I actually um, 
I, I instead I just changed it all around and so I for me I was the person who learned a lesson from it you know and so I'm never going to put myself in that situation again and which anybody would say well then that was great that you got to do that whereas some other people will actually become the victim of that and for the rest of their life they're always going to be the victim mm. and you can go in and change it now in my case I became almost too strong with it where it was just like well that was one moment never going to happen again done close it off and that is not necessarily the way to deal with it either and so you know for me I can go back into that situation and reprogram how I want to think of it so I can actually acknowledge it mm. let the emotion of it and everything transfer through me and out as opposed to hanging on because it actually made me very rigid in my life mm. rigid around all things yeah. actually the way you know become very hard on myself become you know always blame myself instead of you know not necessarily blaming others but actually acknowledging that they too had a role in that situation and so balancing it out a little bit and I love with Psyche is that you know people have come to me and I've been doing this work now for you know 11 years and people have come to me where they've seen their psychologist who use you know the other tech a lot of talk therapy and gestalt therapy and which is wonderful in certain situations but where they're seeing the same person for 12 years about the same problem and they can't get past it they can't snap the patterns back and you know they show up and it, it takes five minutes of working with them and we literally do this reprogramming and all of a sudden, like, their life is fundamentally different. They can go out there and quit the job that they've hated. They go out there and, you know, can finally, you know, stand up to their partner and say what they truly want in their life. Um, they can finally start putting up boundaries in their world. They can switch their diet. They can become the artist that they always wanted to be. And, you know, it may sound crazy to think that it can happen so quickly, but it can. It's because we have the power to go in and rewrite the stories in our mind. Absolutely. And here's, here's a, for anyone who's going, oh, yeah, this is, I don't, I don't know if I believe this. Um, one of the things you learn in NLP is anchoring. Now, anchoring is is taking an emotional situation, visualizing it, remembering it, getting the, the emotional response in your body, and then anchoring a physical a physical response to it. So for, for me, I do a finger and uh, thumb together, all right? And I anchor confidence and motivation together, and I do this quite a lot. And now, so when I do this, I get this this, like... I actually get a physiological response mm -hmm. just by putting my finger and thumb together. Now, for anyone who doesn't believe that, think of it like this: if when when you smell something that oh, so let me go, let me go back. When you're going through life, there's times when you you smell something and it takes you back to a memory. And I'm sure that everyone can agree on this. There's there's these 100%. times you'll be literally. And it's almost like you're back in the moment. That is anchoring. It's that simple. Um, and all we're doing is rather than it happening to us we're creating it yeah and, and using this tool for real positive reasons that's funny because i just did that yesterday my girlfriend came up from the city um and her family and we went out for a run and, and you know i haven't really been running a lot so i wasn't sure you know if i could do 5k 10k 2k 1k um so we went out for a 5k run and um and I was running and I had remembered, so my anchoring around running, and it was another runner who taught me this, and they said, just pinch your middle finger and mm -hmm. your thumb together while you're running. And it actually gives you strength and focus mm -hmm. so that you shut your mind off 
right? And you have the anchoring between your fingers and your thumb. And then your your body's just moving. Like it just knows the minute you take that action, pressing your fingers together, your body just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And you stop thinking about like, oh, I'm so tired and I should quit <sighs> and I can't run 5K and all this shit that comes through and like our negative self-talk that will actually stop us from running and being like, just go home now. Yeah. You haven't been running. You can't run 5K. So... It's funny, I, I did this, the first time I experienced this was around the time when I read the game. Oh, really? <laughs> this growth journey. And um, I downloaded, um, I think it was a, uh, a, Ter- a Terence McKenna or De- Dennis McKenna, someone in the, in the UK who used to do like hypnosis on TV. I downloaded one of his hypnosis things, but it was, a, it was actually an anchoring tape and I didn't have a clue what it was at the time. And it was to anchor confidence. And at that time I was, I was instructing um, in the Air Force, I'd become an instructor, and I was teaching some quite high-ranking officers at times. And I used to find myself getting quite overwhelmed. I was, a, you know, I was a 24-year-old guy um, teaching these much older guys and women who I'd never, who I'd never worked with at that point in my military career. I'd always, always been with just guys, um, and I found that really uncomfortable. So I went and and I did this, and it, and it gets you to do a whole visualization of a time in life when you're really confident, and then you 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 know you make it more colourful. You see it through your eyes. You get right into it. And right at the peak, a point of like the peak of the emotion, you anchor it. And I anchored mm-hmm. this emotion to it and, it, and I did it a few times. And I used that really effectively. Going into into to, to teach these guys, my confidence went through the roof using this simple anchoring technique. And all mm-hmm. I do is go in there and I feel a bit overwhelmed, finger and thumb together, and it's like my chest just like rose a couple of centimeters and I took a big deep breath and got on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's lots of athletes who use this the more I'm reading up on it now um, the more that, that I hear about the, all these different athletes who use it um, I think it's one of the Williams sisters who, t- who does tennis she, she's actually got an anchoring technique she developed with Tony Robbins I think Andre Agassi did that as well mm-hmm. um, there's a real incredible Thai boxer called Liam Harrison he's from, from my from my hometown um, he's an eight times world champion I believe he was on Joe Rogan this last year look up Liam Harrison it talks about how he, he anchors certain emotions for his fights um, so it's, it is highly effective. Yeah, I don't think there's any successful person on the planet who doesn't have a tool like that. Mm. And going back to <clears throat> sports, I was really fortunate to have a, a sports psychologist. We know when I was 16, 17, wow. and we used a lot of these techniques. I mean, it took me, you know, 20 years later in doing Psych K or 10 years later, you know, when I first learned about Psych K and... Um, and NLP to understand what was happening to us back then when we were teenagers, but it's all the same tools. You know, you want to be successful, you've got to visualize the outcome that you want. You have to taste it, smell it, put color around it. Mm. Like, you know, one of the uh, techniques we use in Psyche is, you know, hear what other people are saying once you've achieved that outcome. What do you say to yourself when you've achieved that outcome? Like, you literally build an entire experience around it. And the whole entire thing about our brain is that our brain is constantly rewriting every experience into a certain way. It's trying to make sense of it. Creating that story around it. Exactly. Everyone, and it's never the actual accurate story, right? Our left brain is literally taking every experience and Mm. rewriting it and being like, this is how we're going to remember it, you know, and it could be positive. It could be negative. It could be whatever. I actually read a study this morning as I was doing my anima. Of course, (laughs) naturally. Um, I read a study, it's it's in an NLP book that I was reading and it talks about, they did a a study on on some basketball players um, and they took, they split them into, into thirds and they took, they said to one third, they said, right, in your downtime, you're not going to do any training. Just go and forget about basketball. And then they took another another third and they said, in your downtime, just keep practicing. You're just going to practice shots, keep practicing. 
And then they took the other third and they said, right, we want you to lay down and visualize taking shots. That's all you're going to do is you're just going to visualize, visualize, visualize. And they did this for a month. And at the end of the month, the the, the study group that, that didn't do anything, their their ability to, sh- to shoot um, decreased dramatically. Mm-hmm. The study group that practiced every day, they increased 24%. And then the study group who who visualized, they increased 23%. Yeah. They were literally on par with a group who practiced physically, and that shows the power of visualization. Yeah, yeah, it's so important because we can just create the whole entire experience in our brain and then go out and then we are physically, our body will respond to that story that we've created in our brain. Yeah, it's really important for people to understand this. So when you are, one of the thoughts that I had coming up is that You've been learning so much. You've been mm. practicing these tools. You've been seeing what works for you. So when you, how easy or how hard is it? And I know it's going to be different for everybody, but when they do enter like a dark state or let's mm. say, let's just call it the, you know, the beautiful well, the bottom of the well, right? Mm. There's so much to see and collect and learn at the bottom of that well in that yeah. state of growth. But it is for some people, they only see it right now as a state of darkness or yeah. a state of, you know, manic when that when that whole entire um, part of you shifts, how easy is it for you to implement this? Or maybe now I'd, compared I'd, to the way it was before? So or... I'd, be, I'd be lying if I said it's easy. When you're, yeah. in, when you're in the depths, it's hard. But life isn't always easy. Right. right? And it's knowing that there is something you can do. Um, and like I said earlier, you must be hard and aggressive with breaking the pattern. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's not it's not that easy, and you're not gonna feel like doing it. You're certainly not gonna feel like getting out of bed and jumping around. It's it's often a drag just to go for a piss, but do it. Just get up and do it. Jump around. Put your hands above your head and jump around thirty times. Just do thirty jumps, and then do your ne- next activity. Get mm-hmm. yourself in a different physiological state, and the chances are it won't last that long. You might have to keep doing it. But keep doing it mm-hmm. because eventually as you change a physiological state, you your emotions change. And, and each time your emotions change, the story starts to change with it. And that's how my story changed from this, oh, life's so hard, I've got PTSD, to actually this is forcing me to grow. This isn't PTSD, this mm-hmm. is post-traumatic growth. And, you know, that, that has been an it's been a monumental step for me is that recognizing that you can get in and change your story, but it starts by taking action. And, and, and I know it's not easy, but do it. Just do it anyway. Yeah. I love that because of the fact that we just did um, Shelby Friesen's podcast. And, you know, here was a young guy who had started his business. And when he was 21, bought a house when he was, you know, 21. Lots of big, massive life changes happening all mm. at once perpetuated by an unhealthy diet for a Mm. long time since he was a kid, divorced when, you know, his parents, uh, when he was young, when he was three, um, but entered into a panic panic attack state that lasted a a year. And it took him four years to get out of it. But he did say in the podcast that... um, one of the things that he did when he decided to snap the pattern, basically, was to just try and walk one block and, you know, as a young guy in his 20s who physically looks fit like you, you know, has muscles, is strong, um, you know, a not bit. a little bit. <laughs> a little muscles. A little bit of muscle. Um, you know, that he just said, you know what, I'm going to just walk as far as I can. 
and he couldn't even make it to the end of the block. And it took him a long time, like months and months. But every day he just did that every single day. And the whole thing is that you don't know what's going to be on the other side, right? Like what's life going to look like when you get to the end of the block? Like is it going to be – it's probably still going to be tough and it's going to be – you know, it's life. We're living this life. It's not going to be easy. But that's what he did. And, of course, now he's, you know, back to running his business and and thriving. And, you know, he has all these tools and he's helping so many people as well, which is what I think is so cool because suicide – 80% of suicide – occurs amongst men Mm. and we need to know this and we need more men talking about this like you know for women it's so different like we tend to naturally i mean and it's and i do not want to generalize here um you know because i definitely know women who have been in that dark place battling postpartum depression Mm -hmm. battling suicide and they do it quietly they don't always reach out to their girlfriends you know who are in their tribe but women tend to talk about it a little bit more than men and men who might you know feel like it's shameful to be depressed and they can't be the strong powerful you know guy who's able to provide and you know show up and all of that so it is really important for men to share their stories with other men and if you you know anybody out there you know if you don't want to call me and talk to me about nutrition you can talk to Chris and you can talk to Shelby and you know and, and listen to it from their perspective so one thing that I do want to know about is food because this is the Eat Real the Heal podcast. I might have to one day change the name of our podcast because we (laughs) definitely are, you know, food is definitely um, a very much a strong part of helping people overcome depression and, you know, everything from infertility to uh, autoimmune disorders and mental health issues. And so food is a huge part of it. But um, let's talk about food Mm. before we talk about mushrooms okay because mushrooms is food too mushrooms is food yeah mushrooms Um, they are so plant food yeah plant food (laughs) right exactly and that's what we talk about it's plant-based food plant-based eating so where are you with the nutrition um this weekend not too not too good (laughs) but where does nutrition stand in your life nutrition is is is, um, health and health and nutrition are my my number one value like it's what Mm -hmm. i value more than anything and it's the basis of everything you know you don't ever go to your car and go you know what you have a you have a petrol car and go you know what stuff it I'm going to stick diesel into there because you know it wouldn't work and it's the same with your body why why put shit food in when you know well you might not know but I'm going to tell you now when you put shit food in you get shit results mm-hmm. and people go no no I'm fine I, I, I can eat anything well you know what go and eat your TV remote then right <laughs> if you can eat anything go and eat anything so true it's not true. It's and 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 sorry. I love that. <laughs> so That's true. amazing. But it, but it's no. It's it's right. Like if you can eat anything, go eat go eat paper. Like have a have a really cheap diet because it it simply isn't true. And yes, you may think that you're 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 you know you're, you're at optimal performance on eating shit, but it you can actually perform better. Mm-hmm. And and I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I've seen it in my brother, as we've discussed on the previous con- uh, podcast. I've seen it in hundreds, if not thousands, of other people now. Um, and it just the more and more this 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 happens, the more we recognise it. Um, now people are probably going, "There's a, there's a million and one different healthy diets out there." Mm-hmm. All right, um, that's down to that's down to being fascinated. Um, we have our opinions and, and we, you know, I believe them to be very factual. <laughs> However, yeah, other too. people may disagree with that on what we believe is healthy. Um, someone else might be saying it's the keto diet and someone else might be saying 
something else. <laughs> I can't think yeah. of any off the top of my head. Um, but for for myself, I have tested this. I've you know I've seen I've tested what works for me and what doesn't, and, and I still do. And this weekend was an example of that. You know, I was incredibly busy this weekend. Um, found myself in places where there wasn't any healthy food around, so I, I ended up eating white bread sandwiches and muffins. And even that, which which used to be the normal diet for me, yeah. I feel that now. And it only takes a few bites, and I feel like shit compared to when I eat really good food, like my my liter, 1.2 litres of raw vegetable juice I had this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, for all those that disagree with, with how I eat, go and be fascinated by it. Don't judge it. If you know, if you've tried it, if you've done a, you know, a one month or a two month or a three month period eating like this, and you've found it's ruined your life, fine. But until you've done that, don't even comment. Just be fascinated. Yeah, it's amazing how people are so quick to jump on um, bashing food. Like the kind of comments I actually in my mind uh, last night or was this or this morning, you know, because it's Easter weekend. We have all these people coming into town, and everybody's like, "Just let it go." Like you know what, whatever. It's Easter. Let's just eat. And I'm like, no. And I actually feel like such a Scrooge now around holidays because I'm like, I don't want to put that shit into my body. But of course, what happened this weekend? You know, chips were brought out, and the minute <laughs> I smelt them, the minute like you know, I dove in and, and like, and I did not feel good. I felt disgusting, and then mm-hmm. you know, and you know, and I'm not mad at myself, and I'm not beating myself up for eating them at all by any means. In fact, I quite enjoyed eating them, but I did feel gross, mm-hmm. like slimy, gross inside my body oh. on a cellular being, and you know, and it was, you know, and now from that experience, you know, I use that to grow from. And now it's like, you know what, I, I, there's no more. Like, I know the next dinner I'm going to go to, I can guarantee you that I'm going to see those chips there and I'm going to turn around and walk away. I'm going to take that bamboo and snap it. Can do some NLP on this? <laughs> yeah, I need to do some NLP on 100% break those patterns. But, yes. you know, it took this weekend. And, I mean, and if anybody had come to our house and you looked at the food that we served, like, it was 98% of it was amazing. Mm. But... You know, people are so quick to be like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But then it's when they get sick. And, of course, that was the story that everybody was talking about, right? Like, you know, so-and-so is sick and -and so-and-so is sick. And this person hasn't just had a heart attack. And that person had a stroke. And this person's on blood thinners. I mean, at the end of the day, people do not want to associate the food that they're putting into their body with the outcome of disease, right? It's it's ridiculous. Um, and, and And I find myself often getting frustrated by this. I'll, I'll put it like this: just, just give yourself the best chance, especially if it's if it's regarding mental health. Give mm-hmm. yourself the best chance. Put bad energy in, you get bad energy out. If your if your brain's not getting the right fuel, it's not going to work properly. Um, you know, my brain wasn't working properly. I can make that worse by giving myself shit food. Yeah. All right. And if food really doesn't affect you, go and drink ten pints of beer. It'll affect you. It really does affect you, and it, and it affects you from the smallest amounts to to the to the consistent negative choices mm-hmm. which we talked about regarding the slight edge yeah I love what you said about mm. hey you know what if you think food isn't the answer just try it for three months and if you feel like shit at the end of three months from eating a <laughs> bunch of nutritious clean real food then come talk to us you know exactly. and that's really what people need to do they need to get something curious that's really important here that we should we should mention is um, when people switch from a, from a, a bad diet to a healthy diet 
sorry, from a bad diet to a healthy diet. Did I say unhealthy? Um, Maybe. Um, is is the is the process by which you actually do feel a bit rough for a few days? You do. Um, and that scares so many people off. You know, I, re- I recently had a friend, for for whatever reason, decided he was going to try being a vegan, which I'm really really happy about. Um, I think he lasted about a week, and he said he felt like shit. Now. That's going to happen. You're going to go through this mm-hmm. detoxing phase where the, de- the toxicity comes back into your system, makes you feel like crap before it leaves again. All right? Go through it. Fight through that. Give it a longer period than a week. Give it three months. Yeah. At least three months. All right? And if, if not for at least 30 days, but go for three months. Yeah. And then if it's, not, if it's not suiting you, change your life back, and the rest of your life you can live with shit food and... And feel great. <laughs> exactly. And it's so funny that, I mean, it's so important that you say that too, because it's also our microbiome that's switching over. Like if we've been feeding our body refined sugar, refined flours, refined, you know, tons of red meat, tons of, you know, processed high nitrate foods, like all of these chemicals, you know, you've created a microbiome that's dependent on that. Like mm-hmm. that bacteria is like, give it to me. But if we switch out to all this clean, rich, nutrient-dense, plant-based food with tons of fiber, all of a sudden now we're recreating that microbiome. And that as well contributes to even further toxicity from the die-off, from the um, bacteria dying, and we need to get that out of our body. This is where coffee enemas come in, people, but you can use milk thistle and lots of other ways to help detoxify the body. But we do need to go through that process of feeling a little bit shitty. And it really will only last a few weeks, and then after that, you're good to go. But I was listening to um, the audiobook, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, mm. and that's oh, another really good one. And you'll like it if you haven't read it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful because it really talks about how our brain works. And essentially with this book is that we're always making correlations. Our body wants to know cause and effect. So, for example, like you said, you drink 10 pints of beer, you know those 10 pints of beer caused you to be a drunk asshole that mm. night, right? Um, versus, you know, a lot of times we don't get to know exactly what caused what. So when you switch your diet to a healthy diet, people are going to be like, well, that healthy diet caused me to be all bloated and gassy and, you know, to feel uncomfortable and to have a headache and because that's detoxifying. But if you don't know that that's the effect of making that switch, you're going to be like, well, that just caused me to feel like shit, so therefore I'm not going to eat that healthy food anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to eating... Yeah you know, the unhealthy food. So you have to be really mindful that your brain is looking for a cause and effect relationship and it will create it out of anything. Mm. So you need to override that part of your brain. So thinking fast, thinking slow is a really great book for that. So talking about food, let's talk about mushrooms. So so it's funny because I didn't know that mushrooms were illegal. Like I actually, <laughs> I remember you asking me in the last well, podcast, like, is it, is it, can I do that? Can I talk about it? I'm like, shit, I can talk about whatever I want. Yeah. It's my podcast. So yeah, let's go for it. So, but I actually didn't realize. So why, so they're illegal. What do you mean they're illegal? <laughs> okay. So which ones are illegal? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. So but, where do, mushrooms. but where do you get those from? Um, they grow in the forests all around here. But it's illegal to go into the forest and pick them and eat them? Apparently so. Okay. That's crazy. I'm going to have to look into this and be like, that's so insane. I had yeah. no idea. Like, yeah. that's insane, people. It grow, they grow all over the Western world, essentially. Um, and for whatever reason, um, our governments decided to make them illegal. Okay, so... I, I think it tied somewhat into the Vietnam War. I'm not going to discuss that too in-depth because okay. um, cause I'm not an expert on this. However, my, my perception of this is that around the time of the Vietnam War, people discovered that um, psilocybin mushrooms 
were incredible and that you could have a, an incredibly enlightening spiritual experience and courtesy of that decided they really weren't keen on the Vietnam War um, and then the whole hippie revolution around the war mm. coincided with LSD and magic mushrooms which have very similar effects um, subsequently you know people today a lot of people still believe that if you take magic mushrooms you're going to go and think you can fly and jump off a building mm. or, or LSD the same or you're going to you're going to go on a trip and stay there forever um, <clears throat> which is absolutely not true um, so yeah unfortunately they're still illegal and wow. you know I'm not the kind of person who's going to sit here and go they should be totally legalised and we should be able to sell them like we sell cannabis in Canada now mm. I think there does need to be a a, a, a very much a sense of control and regulation on them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the, the the benefits that I see for these, see these mushrooms having on people, especially with symptoms of PTSD and depression that I've experienced, um, it's incredible. And and it's not only myself now. I've I've been talking to other people who've also followed suit and um, started microdosing and and having experiences with psilocybin mushrooms. Um, it's it's insane. Like the the change isn't it, it's it's subtle at first, but it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And to see, you know, going back to pharmaceutical medications, I have a friend right now who's been on medication for PTSD for the last five years, and he's 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 now coming off his medication. He's gradually phasing his medication out. As a result of taking microdosing. So for people who don't know what microdosing is, it's a, you know, you're not taking the mushroom or whatever it is mm-hmm. in high dose, yeah. right? You're taking in very, very small dose. Yeah. So, so I want to, I'll paint an analogy of this, right? So, so yeah. So if you drink a lot of water, so say if you, anything taken out of moderation is going to, is going to cause harm. You, you drink too much water mm-hmm. and you can essentially kill yourself. And people have done that. But as we all agree, you must have water to live. And it's the same with mushrooms. You take a really high dose of mushrooms and you're going to have an incredibly hallucinogenic slash spiritual experience, mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Um, no, I really believe you will. Um, but that, but that, you can't go around in normal life having really hallucinogenic experiences. That's just not doable. Mm-hmm. So if we take a fraction of that, that dose, and in my case, you know, a 0.1 gram dose or less on a daily basis, it becomes like taking vitamin C. You don't notice anything. You have no hallucinogenic effects. Um, but what I, my, my experience of it is that when I started doing this, within I went from an incredibly suicidal state of mind to seven days later feeling like my life had turned around in an incredibly positive way, not to the point where I'm manic and running around mm-hmm. wild just in a way that I felt a real calm sense of balance and ability to get on with things get on, get on with my life and and move forward um, and since then I've, I've been trialing this and, and playing with it and doing you know three months on and, and then a month off and a week on and, um, and doing it and I've, I've, I do it daily some people do it every four days or two days or, or whatever they choose to do this has been my protocol has been daily and it's been incredibly effective um, so now it's taken on validation in that other people have come to me and said, you know what, I'm doing the same thing. And I've also experienced this. Right. And, and I know these people very well. I have a very good friend and he is in the process, like I said, of coming off medication that, you know, prescribed medication that he's been on for five years. He's gradually phasing it out because of the success 
with psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah, we're going to have um, <clears throat> another podcast with one of our previous guests. I won't say who it is now, but that was, we didn't get to go into that either. But I mean, that's exactly what um, this guest was saying as well. And I think we're in that state. Well, I mean, there's so much research on this, right? Are there any good books right now that you can recommend to so people? I'm, I'm not reading um, books too much on this right now. Um, You're just experimenting I'm, right now. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm oh. learning. So I'm, I'm, I follow, I, I watch a lot of videos by Dennis McKenna, mm-hmm. Paul Stamets, um, who was the, oh, there's a real good podcast just come out with Aubrey Marcus and he's a number one New York Times bestseller. Let me just grab that. That okay. is. Sorry, you go on. Yeah, so let while you're looking for that, um, there's a ton of research in that, and it's actually being used by medical doctors now. I've actually met a few physicians who've mm. been experimenting with them themselves. Um, I've been, and I'll get some links for you as well for all the listeners who are listening, but um, in the world of neuroscience, it's being studied heavily. I mean, Gabor Mate has been huge into this um, as well and um, using it medicinally. And at the end of the day, it's really important to know that All of the drugs, pharmaceutical drugs that we take today, every single one of them are based on an element found in nature, Mm. right? So, but the reason why we synthesize these compounds, these chemicals, these molecules is because of the fact that they want to regulate it, number one, Mm. and they want to make it safe. So we know that if we're giving somebody one gram of a medication, we know that it's going to have this effect. And so at the end of the day, though, right now we're in this phase in history, which I think is really remarkable. We've been there before where mushrooms have been used medicinally, um, where, you know, cannabis has been used medicinally for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And then, of course, the American Medical Association came around. Um, We saw the FDA be formed. We saw all of these regulations come into effect between what could be classified as a nutrient or a medicine or whatever, but it has to fit within these parameters. It has to be studied in a certain way, often with double-blind placebo trials. And so anything that was natural was kind of shifted off the shelf and then it became all synthesized and now we're in the era right now 2019 where so many people scientists researchers medical doctors um, health practitioners patients especially and the data is showing that these pharmaceutical drugs for chronic health conditions are not working Mm. Whether it's for cancer, whether it's for diabetes, whether it's for mental health issues, whether it's for fertility, like at the end of the day, if we don't return back to the principles of nature and start using what is readily available in nature, we are not going to overcome any of these health epidemics that we're in. Mm -hmm. So for anybody, again, who's like, I can't believe I'm listening to the show. They're talking about doing drugs that are illegal. (laughs) I'm like, fuck, and just be Be fascinated. Be fascinated. (laughs) Get curious because you know what? You have an opportunity right now, and I'm not promoting mushrooms at all by saying this. I'm not promoting anything really. At the end of the day, it's just sharing information and it's sharing stories. But you know, be fascinated, be curious. The other day, I was leaving. Um, uh, there was a gathering for our school. The moms got together, and at the end of this beautiful night where we all gathered, there's probably about 40 or 50 of us. We're walking back to our cars, and one of the women, she checks her messages. And I just hear it. And it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And it was the, no, 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 it's not true. It can't be. And I knew that no, like that cry. And one of her friends had just taken her life. 
Mm. Right. And so do we have to lose another life? Mm. Right. And it just and I knew it because last summer I lost my ex-husband. He took his own life. Um, you know, we had been split up for over a decade uh, or actually longer, almost 20 years. Um, but at the end of the day, I remember myself screaming the same thing into my phone when I got a text message, you know, saying, call me. It's bad. Thomas is gone. Yeah. And I knew he had taken his life. And so do we have to lose another life? Like, no, you know, so fucking get curious, people. Yeah. You know, if you want to believe every single thing that your doctor says or every single thing that, you know, someone says to you and says, no, you got to stay away from this or stay away from that or that you can only do this. The minute someone tells you that, that there's only one way, you need to like turn around and hit the ground running and go and find 20 different ways. And then you choose from those 20 different days the exactly. ways, the one thing that's going to work for you. Take so control. you have to take control. So anyway, just wanted to mention that. Back but, to that podcast. the uh, Which the, is called? The, it's, it's the Aubrey Marcus podcast. He just released one with a guy called Michael Pollan. And Michael Pollan is a, is a writer. He's in a number of New York Times bestsellers. Um, and he has gone, he has delved into the use of psychedelics, not just magic mushrooms. He talks about DMT and, and uh, LSD and and different and, a, and a, an array of different ones on this podcast. I haven't finished listening to it myself, but he is another gentleman that I follow. Um, he's got an incredible interview that I did with ITV in the UK. It's on YouTube, um, which I found fascinating. Yeah, I, th I really believe that. The, you know, this is this is one of my missions is to, is to get this out and, and encourage people to see that this is really useful. I mean, uh, just recently, one of my best friends, he lives down in California. He had an experience where he tried to tell some of the guys we served with, or one of the guys we served with about this, and the guy thought he'd gone crazy. He's like, you need to stop. Like, you're gonna fry your mind. And mm -hmm. and it's just simply not true. And that, that's what we're led to believe. That's what the government teaches you. That's what the military machine would love us to believe. I remember joining up, and one of the things they said to us is, has anyone done an LSD in this room? And we all kind of looked around, and he's like, well, if anyone had done LSD, I'd, I'd have to ask you to leave right now. You wouldn't be able to carry on joining into the forces. And it's just ridiculous. That's what people actually believe that that this this stuff is is dangerous in that way, and it's it's just simply not true. It's um. It's well, it's the shown. same thing around supplements, right? It's like don't take supplements; they're so dangerous. Mm. And you know, but when you actually look at the statistics to see how many people have actually died from taking supplements, you can find very very few cases. And I'm talking like less than a handful of cases versus, you know, you look at one particular pharmaceutical drugs, whether it's Vioxx or whether it's aspirin, one of the leading killers. Aspirin and paracetamol and all these... Ativan, I mean, all of these painkillers. Mm. You know, you even look at the opioid... opioid oh, my, like, yeah. that was a diagnosed, regulated, you know, prescribed drug, mm. right? And, you know, and, the, and we have such a crisis on our hands as a result. And this was all approved, you know, drugs. And so people have to start thinking critically. They have to start thinking, um, you know, having that meta view to see what's truly happening. And they have to start um, really digging deep for themselves. Because right now, if you're just going to say yes to the pharmaceutical drugs and no to anything else, um, you're going to find yourself most likely in a very unhealthy state and shortened lifespan. You know, we know that that's associated with a lot of these pharmaceutical prescription drugs and so you have to start exploring and being curious and questioning and yeah. being fascinated I, I, re I, re I really encourage that and, and one thing I, I, you know one way of looking at this is opioids le uh, are legal there, there's, a, there's an epidemic because pharmaceutical companies just keep pumping them out and giving them to people alcohol advertised everywhere you go constantly available 
as, you know, there's an array of different things out there that are totally acceptable in society. Alcohol is one of the most poisonous things there is. Oh, to your and liver, to it's just, driving. It's and oh. The amount of trouble it causes, the mm -hmm. amount of, of people who die courtesy of alcohol. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, don't do mushrooms. Go and have a drink, go and have some alcohol. No, that's yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, and look at, look at it like this. Those, those, those things I just labeled then, they suppress your consciousness. They don't, they don't lift your consciousness. They suppress it. They put a dull. They put like a black cloud over it. Whereas things like mushrooms and LSD and these other psychedelic compounds, DMT, and I haven't, I haven't tried DMT or ayahuasca in their pure, pure forms. I yeah. will. Um, these, these plant medicines, they, they, they increase your consciousness. And you know, my experience through with with mushrooms is is just incredible. The microdosing is one thing. You go and take a um, what they call a hero dose of magic mushrooms, five grams or more. I've done mm. this up to seven and a half grams, and it is incredibly life changing. It changes your perspective in ways you never would have imagined, and I can't help but but think that it's just made me a better person. Right. Right. It's made me more empathetic, more compassionate, more understanding, mm. more balanced. Where, where's the negatives in this? It's allowed me to see that everything I believed was actually not my beliefs. It was constructs of the society I live in and the people around me and their beliefs, and mm. it wasn't even true. It's, it's allowed me to, to look at death in a totally different way. I lost my grandmother last week, and mm. I sat there with her when she was in the final hours, and it was beautiful because I, I, don't, I no longer see it as this, this simple black and white, you live and then you die. Mm. We are part of something so much bigger and I experienced this while in while in these incredibly um, hallucinogenic states, where you know perspectives change, and, and yeah. I encourage you to become fascinated by that. There's so much fear regarding this, so much, um, yeah. and those people who fear it are quick to go down the pub and drink ten pints, exactly, which is just ridiculous. Oh, I know, and you know what? For anybody who's <clears throat> listening to this right now, and you're feeling, you know, like. You know, you're you're feeling anti mushrooms right now and anti nutrition <laughs> and eating healthy and you know, when was the last time that you ever said, you know, alcohol really changed my life? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe you created a kid one day when you were drunk. You know, that's happened to many a person that I know and that's a positive thing. But for the rest of the experience around alcohol, like honestly, when was the last time like a red steak, like red meat steak changed your life, you know, or eating at McDonald's changed your life? And, you know, for a lot of these things that are unhealthy, we can never say that they changed our life in a positive way. But, you know, I can tell you from the thousands of people that I've worked with and that they've switched to a really nutrient dense um, diet and lifestyle, you know, they do come back to me and they're like, oh my God, thank you. You actually saved my life. Like it's not just changed my life, it's literally saved my life. So we have to get fascinated and curious about all of these natural plant things. And the thing is, I can't talk very much to the neuroscience of it, but I do know that a lot of these plant medicines that you talk about actually help to recreate the the neural connections in the brain so they're actually activating them they are allowing thoughts to be completed um, to allow thoughts and actions to get connected exactly. and so these are the things that are really important it's that not it's just not on an esoteric you know let's raise our consciousness you know which is such a powerful thing that we need to all be doing collectively as a human species right now more than ever um, as we see the dismantling of our planet but you know if if that's too much for you to talk about you know, the, the sole purpose and the spiritual purpose of doing, you know, getting connected to plant medicine. But if, and if you were just talking about it from the perspective of actually just being able to support your brain, 
in functioning properly. So I definitely know I'm going to have to bring on a doctor, somebody that, you know, you think, well, is all credible because so many people at the end of the day want to ask that question, like, well, where are your qualifications? Yeah. You know, and right now I don't have the qualifications, you know, because I haven't read any books on it and I don't know, but I am really, really curious about plant medicine. I don't experiment with it myself. And the only reason is because I can do a one hour yoga class with myself or, you know, at a studio. And I actually feel that I've in over the past 20 years of practicing just from breath work and yoga and stretching, I can enter into those consciousness, consciousness raising states where I literally feel like I am vibrating in unison with the universe. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and I've experimented with drugs, so don't kid yourself, I'm not this clean, pure person, <laughs> but I'm also, I think, maybe 20 years older than Chris, or a good decade and a bit older than Chris, and so I've been there and done that, um, and I know what it feels like, and it feels pretty freaking awesome, but for me, I know that I want to enter into those states literally with just my own body, but at the same time, I haven't been in a state where... Um, and I'll say I haven't been in a state yet because it can happen tomorrow, it can happen next week, where I am truly at that bottom of the well, right? And where I can't get out and I might need these other tools to help me. And it could be the plant medicine that, mm. you know, I'll turn to if I'm ever in that state for sure. Um, okay, so microdosing mushrooms. Yeah. So, what else do you want to say about it? Um, you know, we talk Before about we neuro neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. Um, I'm no scientist, so I'm not going to delve into the science of it too much. However, what I've read up on it seems to be my experience of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no one can really explain the spiritual experience. It's it's an experience unto its own, and, and it's for every individual to experience in their... Uh, to have their own experience of. Mm -hmm. With regards to day-to-day -day life, what I experienced doing the microdosing was that my intelligence seemed to go up. It's as simple as that. It seems that I can function better. I can um, I can communicate better. I you know again I go back to the balance. My my life's more balanced. But it's this it's ability to take in information and process it at a level that I couldn't do before. You know that's why looking back on the last four years has been the best years of my life because I went through this this period of. You know, at times not being able to make a juice, a vegetable juice. I do it every single morning. It's a, it's a habitual thing. I do it without fail. I take my juicer everywhere with me. And then, so, then some mornings I get up and I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure out what mm -hmm. to do. It's like my brain just wasn't working, and it's and it's it was in this stuck phase, uh, or stuck state, should I say? Whereas now it feels like my brain is is working in a in a way that I've never experienced. Mm -hmm. It's almost like. The limitless. I was just gonna say, like that's your limit. Cooper. Yeah, it's incredible. It's um, so you know another thing. I'm, I'm as I as I do more research into this and, and read up more on it. Um, and I say I'm I'm not reading books, but I read a lot of articles on it. And and I'm gonna be posting some of this stuff on my website. Um, and the other mushroom I've been I've been I've started trialing is lion's mane mushrooms because mm. apparently lion's mane have have some pretty um, strong neurogenesis. I believe neurogenesis on neuroplasticity effects. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's another thing I'm trialing right now. Yeah. Um, and anti um, angiogenesis factors as well. So a lot of these mushrooms help to sever the blood vessels that grow towards tumors. Um, they have, so there's, I mean, there's just so many benefits to the mushroom world. And I'm, 
when people ask me about eating mushrooms like just regularly and cooking I'm sometimes on the fence about it just because of the fact that I know that mushrooms also absorb a lot of the water soluble chemicals like the DDT and the um, glyphosate and so I don't know where we I don't know where I stand on and I need a mushroom expert who knows about toxicity in mushrooms and how that's working we had Dr. Zach Bush on the podcast a few episodes ago and you know I didn't get to dive into that question with him but the next time I have him on the show I'm definitely going to ask that question because there's so many healing properties to mushrooms eating them for you know fighting against cancer and other diseases but um you know the mental health side of it as well the neuroplasticity um so at the end of the day i mean there's so much to world to learn about the mushroom effect we know about it from the athletes that are using um adaptogens and mushrooms as adaptogens in the body as well the benefits to them there's a really great podcast on rich rolls podcast um and i can never remember the name of the guy who's the guest (laughs) but i'll find out for you and we'll put that there so people start learning a ton about mushrooms chris we are definitely going to have to um there's so much more i took a you know we made a list before we started of all the different things that we wanted to talk about but it's almost been two hours so we're going to (laughs) we're going to have to take it apart three um and like i said i want to follow up with you like every few months and you know just to see how it's going and what additional tools you've discovered along the way and the people that you are helping Mm. so what can people do if they need to reach out and want to reach out anybody who is suffering from you know it could be anything but definitely anyone who's suffering from suicide suicidal thoughts and tendencies depression Mm -hmm. um anxiety stress can they reach out to you yeah absolutely reach out to me i'm not i'll help where i can help you know i can only give you the give you the information i've i've tested or, or give you the information i've got and it might be useful it might not um you can find me at brooksy.tv you can email me chris at brooksy.tv um or you can go you can get me through instagram at brooksy underscore tv and brooksy is b-r-o-o-k-s-y um yeah and get in touch with me and, and let's have a conversation about this um i really really want to be able to help people i want to encourage people to to open their minds to new ideas you know touching really quickly before we leave one of the things you know we talked about yoga when I started yoga I was petrified I remember going in there (laughs) and sitting there with a bunch of really good looking women the only guy in there putting my hands together in the prayer position sat cross-legged and start chanting stuff that I didn't understand and my thoughts were what the fuck are the guys going to think of me (laughs) if they can see me doing this now that's the only thing I could think but I had to go through that discomfort. And mm-hmm. after 30 days of doing that, I'd adopted it as a new pattern of behavior that became really useful and really beneficial. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage people to be fascinated and go and try something you've never tried and get uncomfortable and have people laugh at you if they want to laugh at you. It says more about them than it does about you. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And, you know, this, I love how we are finishing up and wrapping on yoga just because of the fact that uh, I started teaching, I don't know, 16 years ago and started doing yoga probably 20 years ago. Mm. And at the time, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts, people used to yell out of their window as they were driving and being like, you fucking hippie, you're in a (laughs) cult. What kind of cult are you in? And I would literally be in like, just walking down the street in a pair of jogging pants and a sweatshirt with a yoga mat on them in the back, you know, and literally people thought I was in a cult. Mm. And when I would be like, hey, come do yoga with me, they're like, no, man, I'm not religious. 
I would be like, seriously? But look where <laughs> we have come 20 years later, uh, right? With you know, And then if you backtrack to the very first people who brought yoga to the West, I mean, imagine what they were considered, right? These mm. spiritual guru, hippie, you know, hippie gangsters, like oh, spiritual gangsters. And so now it's like there's not a place, like there's a yoga studio on every street. They have yoga incorporated into every corporate office. Mm. I mean, they teach yoga in schools. So you can either be ahead of the game right now and not give a crap about what people think about you and get on a mat and get cross-legged and put your hands together and breathe a few breaths and stretch out your quads and say om right and you could just go do that now or literally you're going to be the last one on the bus and think about those 20 years that will go by where yoga could have benefited you or you know plant medicine could have benefited you or just a plant-based diet could have benefited you or stretching or breathing or Wim Hofing. So, you know, just go out there, go out there and do it now. It might feel cultish. It might feel absurd and crazy what you're doing, but you know what, if you start now, just imagine where you'll be three years from now, Mm -hmm. where your health can be, where your mind can be, where your family can be, right? So many families are struggling right now because of mental health and depression and anxiety and suicide. And so you can turn that around today. Absolutely. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on our show again. I think the sound is going to be better than the first time when we did it. (laughs) We literally have a mattress in my office and a thermarest right now because I'm still waiting on the foam to come in to be able to deck out our office. But the sound should be so much better. We're slowly converting our our If you do want to listen to the old one, listen to it through headphones. It's much better. Yeah, put the headphones on for the last one. But that's okay. We're going to have lots of these episodes for you to listen to and to learn from. So, again, remembering that Chris is just a guy, a real guy who's on the ground doing the work for himself. And he's an educator and just sharing his experiences to be able to help people just the same way that I'm doing it myself. So we're just educating people through our experiences and through the experiences of other people. So take it all in. Um, try it out for yourself. If you do see any benefit, call us, call Chris, call myself, let us know. We want to hear if you've been able to find a break from the craziness of what we call life to experience the bliss, the amazingness of what we call life. And Mm -hmm. if you have been able to get reprieve from anything that you're suffering from, um, and you can reframe that too, reframe that word suffering into changing into, you know, maybe if you can get reprieve from whatever situation that you're in right now, call us. Life is always a test or a celebration. Always a test or a celebration. I love that. <laughs> That's not my quote. That's from David Dieter, who wrote The Way of the Superior Man. Oh, I love that book too. Such a good oh, book. That... Men, if you want a good book to read, read The Way of the Superior Man and Women too. Yeah. Definitely more applicable to men. Yeah. My husband read that, changed his life oh, for sure. It changes a lot of men's lives. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Okay, we're going to put that in the show notes too. When we get around to doing show notes, we haven't quite been great at that. But anyway, let's leave it on that note. I love it. Life is either a test or a celebration. It is. Yeah, and it's all how we perceive it. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Cheers. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast and that you now feel that you have some tools that you can try, that you can turn to if you are suffering from a mental health condition, a current mental health state that is not feeling positive right now. Chris has shared so much invaluable information in this podcast. Please, I encourage you to give any one of these tools a try. And of course, 
remembering that there's no shame around having a mental health condition, whether it's ongoing and chronic or whether it's acute. Ultimately, what we need to do is talk to somebody first. You just need to let somebody know that you're going through this and preferably let someone know who can help you and guide you in a positive direction where you're going to be able to implement tools, whether they're similar tools to what Chris has, and it might even be medication temporarily with the goal of hopefully coming off these meds at one point. Or you know what, in some cases you may have to stay on them. At the end of the day, even though our Eat Real to Heal podcast is about eating food to reverse our chronic diseases, really what it's about is taking action for your own health and for your own life. And that means finding something that absolutely works for you, that you're comfortable with, that you're willing to do, that you're willing to try, and getting the results that you wanna have. Now, if it's getting off drugs, it's really important to work with a professional. Uh, When we work with our clients, we take that very seriously because as your body starts to heal, the dosage of your drugs that you're taking will be too much for your body and we don't wanna create any additional unnecessary symptoms. Now, again, I talk about the shame of it because up until recently, there's been so much stigma and shame around mental health disorders, mental health illnesses, mental health diseases, mental health states is ultimately what I want to call it because we can move in and out of these states depending on the stress of our life and how big it is in any one particular moment and also just depending on what we've gone through, whether it's a stress that is a mental stress but often it's a physical stress and it's a lifestyle stress. So until we figure out how to deal with that, manage it, shift it, get rid of it, we have to find solutions. Now I know that diet makes one of the biggest differences in your life. So please start to learn about nutrition, learn about restoring your nutrient deficiencies, getting rid of toxicity in your body, and that will make such a huge, um, a huge Uh, a dent or uh, effect on the state of your brain. It helps to lift the brain fog. It helps you to see clearly. It helps you to make wiser decisions moving forward that will result in positive change. Now, talking about the nutrition and detox program, I mentioned it earlier at the beginning of the podcast in the intro. And just to talk about it some more, you can go to our website at richerhealth.ca or at nicoletterichet.com and you can find more information out there. But you don't have to be a nutritionist or a healthcare practitioner to take our program. We teach you the art and science of using food as medicine, in using supplements as medicine, in using detoxification and juicing as medicine so that you can reverse your chronic disease. And ultimately what you, what we want is that you'll learn the art and science of the nature of disease and how to regenerate your body so that you can reverse your disease so that you can go out and teach what you learn in our nutrition and detox training and you can teach it to your family and friends and anybody out there that's suffering from a chronic mental or physical condition. 
Now, you're gonna have to write a final exam and a research paper. We teach you how to be amazing researchers. You also get to write a blog so you learn how to communicate what you've learned in an easy to digest way. You also give a public presentation and you also take on 12 case studies because the best way to learn is to teach. So the program is very comprehensive. It's based on many of the principles that I learned in my master's program and in my PhD program around adult learning. So it truly means that you don't have to be an academic to be able to do our program, to learn the 22 years of knowledge that I've accumulated in my life and how I've condensed that into three months that I then pass on to you. Now it is the beginning of your lifelong journey of learning about food as medicine, but it provides you, this program provides you with so much information that it changes your life, it changes your health, and it will change the way you interact with your world moving forward. So I hope that you sign up for our program get more information or give us a call. We're happy to speak more extensively about this training and what you're going to get out of it. So thanks for listening to the podcast and everyone go out there and eat well, be well, and live a healthy, richer, abundant, optimal life. Bye-bye.